All right, everybody. How's it going out there? Welcome to After the Cast Live. Hopefully everybody's doing all right tonight. We're going to have an incredible show. We're going to talk about our previous episode that we did, episode 41 with Jack Bouchon, who was the National Weather Service radar operator in Muskegon during the March 8th, 1994 UFO uh, incident that happened uh, way back when and with 300 witnesses and all kinds of good stuff. So without further ado, I'm going to bring in my lovely co-host and wife, Michelle. Hey, hi everyone. How is it going tonight? What's that chat look like? Anything happening in chat? yet? No, nothing yet. Kind of quiet. So for people watching, welcome, welcome. If you're watching later, thanks for joining us. So let's go ahead and get things started here a little bit. One of the first things I want to do is talk about a a serious announcement here with um, episode three called Body and Bags of Unsolved Mysteries. And what uh, I didn't know until I saw that episode was that uh, I work with one of the people who is the brother-in-law of the young man who was murdered here in Michigan. Um, Really strange coincidence, but um, I talked with the person that I work with and asked them if our listeners, you know, could possibly help out and provide any information. So one of the things I want to do is put this information up right here. Uh, The police are looking for this woman. Her name is Tamara Tammy Renee Williams. And if you guys can contact 1-877-WANT-IT-2 or go to unsolved.com, there is a $10,000 reward for information leading to her capture. So if you can help out and help the family, watch that episode and you will see what I'm talking about with um, what happened. It is crazy. Yeah, it was the murder in River Rouge. So, yes. Season three, episode three. Hey, okay. So it looks like we got some people here. So we got, oh, Coach is in the house. Hey, Coach. And Hi, Lisa. Lisa Bowden or Bowden. So welcome, welcome. Good to see you. All right. So tonight. We're going to have some crazy stuff going on. We're going to be talking to a lot of people and uh, we're going to dive deep into this 1994 UFO situation here in Michigan. Now, the March 8th situation is getting very, very famous, but there was so many other UFO things going on that... uh, during that time, it, the the month of March was on fire. Well, the so, month of March in 94. Yeah. So both the year and the month. Yeah. So I'm going to bring on our panel and let's have a little chat with them. So coming up first, we have Guy Merritt. <laughs> <laughs> Guy, how's it going? Great intro, Guy. Oh, man, I'm... Uh... I explained to you in, in in our little green room before going live that I've got this baby chihuahua running around and my wife is absent. 
So I don't know how much, how much input, intelligent and input. Well, well, I don't provide that very often anyway, but I don't know how well I'm going to sure, sure. be able to contribute because I got to chase him around the house because the dogs, the, the old dogs chasing him, cats chasing him. He's trying to bite them. So it should be a lot of fun. <laughs> so, yep. but I'm here. Well, that, that's okay. We got three cats that run through here like a herd of wild <laughs> animals. So I've had a lot of cats, but yeah, like it's that. crazy. All right, so guy, we got you on, and then coming back with us is Burton from Lost in the Dark and Follow the Reaper. Burton, what's going on, man? Not much. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, welcome back, man. It's uh, good to have you on for this deep dive. And I gave these guys an assignment, like the teacher that I am, to listen to our uh, episode with Jack Bouchong and come up with some I don't know. I don't want to say come up with some information, but what kind of things did you pull out of that interview that we can talk about and kind of dissect more? So um, who wants to take the first uh, chat? Who wants to start talking? You can go ahead, guy, if you like. Actually, this this reminds me of high school, Burton. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I, didn't, the book. <laughs> I, I didn't make a lot of notes. Uh I thought oh. it was, what I thought was really good about it, a couple of things that I can think of, and I sincerely I enjoyed it. Didn't sit and make a lot of notes. I thought it was great that he explained um, how the radar worked at great length for stupid people like me, because I know nothing about radar really. And that was instructive and informative. And, uh, you know, it was interesting to understand that the particular model or whatever that he, if I understood this correctly, that he had, which I, I think he said they don't have now, he can actually target this thing and, and stop the thing from the radar from tracking. I mean, he could, he could point it at this thing and keep it on it so that he could really mess around and get a good idea of its size and what it was doing. And, and uh, you know, it was fascinating. And, uh, you know, I learned something about radar and Jack struck me as a, he's extremely cautious, which you have to be. But at the same time, I was thinking about this prior to the show. I'm walking around the kitchen, making some coffee. And of course, you guys know my story. And it's it's extremely odd. It's got some really odd features. I can't even believe this stuff happened in my life. Uh, but but it's my thought was, you know, if something is clearly you know, if the radar is bouncing off of it in such a way as, you know, it's a metallic, he said that these really powerful pings or whatever he called them, it was obviously a metallic object and really large, pretty much like an airliner. And it only has to go for me 72,000 miles an hour one time, right? And if it does that, there's two, there's two things that can be. And one is the U.S. government's I mean, I don't want to say light years, but way, 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 way ahead of anything that we could, that we would have dreamed of, right? And and they're doing this stuff all over the planet, like, you know, Greenland and wherever, because I see these everywhere. Or, or it's absolutely, this is something created intelligently by non-21st century humans. It's either, and under that's a whole list of, you know, a parallel universe a different timeline, 
aliens that evolved as kind of as we did on another planet, but much earlier. I mean, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of things this can be. I mean, he mentioned that he was going to do a paper in which he talked about what it can't be. Right. And that's, that's a great way to go about it. But on the one, but really, I don't know, as the elephant in the room to me is obviously there's nothing this can be that we can explain in terms of our technology. This it's, and I see people fighting this. They're fighting it. It's like, I can't, I just can't go there. I just can't go there. And I mean, come on, what, what other answer is there? It's something incredibly esoteric and it's built by some other form of intelligence. That's kind of like the only thing for me, I'm not saying this the way it is, you know, I don't like preachy people and I sound that way, but I'm saying for me, that's kind of like what, what other answer is there? It's great to go. Well, it can't be this and it can't be that. We all, we all know that there's nothing it can be that can go 72,000 miles an hour it's intelligently constructed. It's big, unless the United States is, you know, not light years, but way, 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 way ahead of what we think they are. Or it's from somewhere, you know, some other kind of intelligence, some other being constructed it from a different timeline, a parallel universe, another planet. You can pick from all those things, but it's something really odd. That's With that, I conclude my sermon for the, and I passed the conch over <laughs> the, to Burton, who I called Barry during the entire last half. <laughs> well, you know, that's okay, man. Um, just real quick, want to give a shout out to Amy, who has joined us. She says she is from Georgia, but formerly from Kalamazoo. So, wow. hey, uh, Amy, did you happen to uh, be on Western Michigan during 1994? It'd be interesting to hear any of your uh, comments or stories about that time if you were there um so burton man jump on in what's going on one of the things that i definitely wanted to ask ask you directly about just because i agree with guy he was really cool to hear him talk about all the radar stuff and explain it in like he said in a way that we could pretty much anybody can easily understand it that was that was really helpful and kind of helped paint a picture of what happened that night uh now one thing that he did say was God, I want to say it was, I think he said at one point he saw an object going at like 75 or 85,000 feet up right now for you. Cause I, I don't know what is like, how high can planes go? Like what is, what's the number? How abnormal is that? That's pretty abnormal. Um, from my knowledge of like commercial airliners, you might get the very big, powerful commercial airliners out there that can go, up to about 45,000 feet or so mm-hmm. may usually 42,000 feet. If they're on a really long flight, like maybe to Australia or, you know, someplace far where they just want to get up into that thin air and just, you know, haul butt as fast as they can. But yeah, 85,000 feet is very, very bizarre. And you know what I found interesting about that number is that that was the number, or at least it was 80,000 or 85,000 that Kevin Day, the radar operator on the Aegis cruiser during the Nimitz, all that Nimitz stuff going on, he said he would see these things show up in the radar about 85,000 feet. In a couple seconds, they would fall down to, you know, surface level and just stop. So 
that number is very interesting for him to come up with. That is, yeah, okay. So that gives me a better idea. And and I think, um, and he said too that like I don't think he said he saw it fall that fast, but like go up that fast, like like in the split second. Um, yeah. That, I mean, that's just that's no, I, it's yeah, that's crazy. It's hard to know exactly what to make what of that. that. Yeah. yeah, the um, the I also found it. I liked. I really enjoyed listening to him talk about how uh his experience with filming and with netflix and about how he's like i sat there and gave them hours and hours of interview and they managed to chop it all up and make me look good he was really happy with the final product and everything uh and that's something that when you when when i was watching the show initially i didn't like totally pick up on because of the way it's edited together but it sounds like when i was listening to the interview he wasn't even aware of like the whole uh, reverse waterfall situation until like a long time later, which yeah. like that, that was really interesting to me because like they kind of like the way they put it in the show, it kind of seemed like everybody knew at the time and stuff like that. But, um, and that, yeah, that whole situation and then how he was able to verify that with actual charts of where the lake was frozen and not frozen. Yeah. I mean, that's the initial the initial thing I texted you uh, a couple weeks ago when we all watched this episode. I was like, there's like real good data in this episode like that I that you don't really see a lot in any of these other shows typically. Oh, yeah. And and that's what really blew my mind about it. So hearing him really dissect all that and then how he explained his experience with yeah, because in the Netflix show they did kind of s- sidestep a narrative of like they came down on him to keep him quiet and he was like that's not they made it seem a little bit more conspiratorial than it actually was um so really like that whole behind the scenes look on it all was absolutely fascinating i loved it yeah you know i totally agree with you and you know um one of the things that i was pointing out and and both of you guys kind of hit on it was the understanding of the radar And then I needed to point out a little bit about how the media, you know, and by media, I mean like movies and everything you see about when it comes to radar, you see a flat radar screen with this thing sweeping around, right? Yeah. Your description of that. And then how he described like you two going back and forth on that. I was like, I clicked in my head. I'd never thought of it that way before you got, and I put images up on the YouTube version of the, um, of the radar on on that episode and that comes directly from his uh radar operator's handbook that he sent me and so he scanned those pages in and and so when you see them flip it's the different shapes of the radar beam so like he was saying the 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 weather radar beam is very circular and very cone-shaped but you look at aviation radar and it's very oblong. It's got that weird oblong feature to it. And um, that's so they can track the rate, like the altitude of these aircraft. They want to know who's in what section of the sky all the time. Whereas with the radar of the weather radar, they want to know where storms are and things like that. What What's moving in those clouds and all that. And they can detect you know, obviously aircraft and stuff. Cause when he was bored, that's what he spent his time doing. He said, you know? I don't want to interrupt, but just, I don't, we're on the radar thing. I don't want to lose this thought, 
one thing I found really interesting, which and doesn't surprise me based on some personal experiences that are strange. I don't recall, and I, I'm hoping you can kind of explain it. I don't recall how he said it happened, but there was something that happened with the radar that suggested to him they knew that he was looking at them, which yes. is a huge thing. I mean, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, so like like they were playing with the radar within the radar beam. So one of the things that he could do with that radar is like everybody sees a picture of like Doppler radar because everybody's used to that image in the media. And that's the the radar dish that's spinning around, you know, and constantly spinning. So whenever anybody thinks of radar, it's that dish going around. And then you got that wedge, right? You got that wedge going around the screen, right? kind of like this mm-hmm. and, and it, it's spinning in a circle, right? Well, what he could do with the weather radar is stop that dish from spinning and kind of point it in one direction so that that area was being radiated the whole time. So he could look in at what's going on in that section and he could also lift it and lower it. So he could get a, take that cone and move it either higher up in the sky or lower in the sky. So just think about a flashlight. If you have a craft that is far away from you and up high, you'll probably catch it in that beam far away. But if it's up high and close to that beam, you're going to have to tilt that dish. Now, what these things were doing is when he put them in the radar beam, they were in the shape of a triangle and one uh, one little craft would be right at the edge of the, the one beam. And then he would move the beam. And then the one craft would jump to the edge of that beam, like almost instantaneously. And then the two other craft followed along and stayed in that beam in that triangular shape. And, and, it, he played with them. You know, he would move the beam again and they would jump back into that beam. And he said the one that was in the middle, if you look at a triangle, the one that would be like the apex of that triangle, he said that that one was usually about 6,000 feet higher. So it gave the impression that the triangle was, was standing up on its point. And then the two other points were, or I'm sorry, more like this. So where my two index fingers are coming together there, that would be one craft. And then my fingernails would be two craft. And then what ended up happening is, is that one in the middle lowered down. And so that they were at the same altitude. And that's when all those other crafts showed up. So crazy, just crazy maneuvers and things going on with that. So what are you guys thoughts? I mean, I can't, I can't remember if he, I can't remember exactly what he said about this, but I want, I, I feel like he said something to the degree of like these things, so an object has to be a certain size in order to even be seen. Right. Yeah. So like, and he said when he saw it on radar, his first initial thought was plane. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, it if, if it's an object, I guess even, even then, even then, if it were, if there were some like completely terrestrial, normal explanation for this, 
it would still have to be an object the size of an airplane, at least. And I mean, yeah, that kind of and going seventy two thousand miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah kind of right. I mean, what limit? And he he talked about he he went he was very meticulous and did an excellent job in explaining why how you could discriminate this that it could not be ground clutter. Yes. That it could not be uh, radar jamming. Yeah. I mean, he went, you know, he went point by point and explained, you know, how he concluded what he concluded. And that was, I think, I don't want to put words in his mouth. He didn't, I don't know if he used this word, but he basically, you know, was suggesting that it was something at least anomalous and absolutely none of, like I said, not ground clutter, not radar jamming. And he explained it very well, although I can't, you know, you back what he's how he explained it but you know he convinced me that it was the radar wasn't being jammed it wasn't uh ground clutter um you know i mean the guys how do you how do you not trust and believe this guy that for people that are skeptical you know i'm yeah <clears throat> the phrase ground clutter is insulting to him you can tell from the interview yeah, the well, fact he, that they yeah, even use that phrase ground clutter is just this mess of crap that's small and and it moves away fast. And it's, I think he said, you know, it kind of disappears. It's, you know, he, he, he obviously, he knew it wasn't ground clutter. And I don't remember how he, you know, I don't, I don't remember his explanation, as I said, but yeah, he seemed annoyed with these kind of, he seemed to view this stuff. It seemed that he was suggesting that anybody that knows radar knows these explanations are preposterous. All right. So that's, that's the exact same impression I got too. Yeah. Well, that what they tried to do was link that to his uh, competency when he had been a, a weather radar operator for, uh, what do you say, five years that he was working on, on that radar system. And so in ground clutter just means that the radar is, for whatever reason, the radar is maybe hitting an inversion layer up in the atmosphere and bending the radar beam down and it's hitting buildings and trees and stuff. Right. So that, that radar beam, it's really strange, but it can, it can find things on the ground and then report that back. But he knew all of that stuff. Those guys are top notch trained in all of that stuff. And you know, he knew exactly what he was doing. Then they started playing the games and this is what they don't talk about in unsolved mysteries was the intern thing. Like all of a sudden, cause he's an yeah. intern. He didn't know what he was talking about. Exactly. They tried to diminish his status so that, well, you can ignore this guy. You know, he just gets coffee and donuts. No, this guy, he's the guy that just took the special course on the radar. Okay. You know, I thought it was interesting that he, he mentioned that he was one, I think the only guy there that had, and I may be misspeaking. I think he said he was the only person on their staff that had taken this, or he'd just done, or at least he'd just done this specialized radar training. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the fact that he was a quote intern is really kind of a red herring. It's a way, yeah. I think, to, it, it's a, it's an off ramp. I used that phrase in the group about something else. It's an off ramp for people to say, I don't want to believe this stuff. So, oh, that's what's wrong. He's an intern. He doesn't know what he's doing, right? Yeah. So just uh, a quick moment, Michelle. How's that? Uh, 
chat room looking? Well, a couple things. Um, Amy says that she was in Kalamazoo, but doesn't recall this. And that's kind of like us on the east side of the state. You know, it kind of proves who read the newspaper back then and who didn't, because they wouldn't have talked about it on two, four and seven. They were putting it into the newspaper, except for Larry King live. Um, and so I don't even remember anything. And I would have been old enough. I was 19 going on 20 when all of this went down. It was on, um, it was on the national television news. Big time. It was on CBS evening news, uh, ABC world news tonight. Cause I saw it on the news and went, man, that's weird. So. But was it very quiet in Michigan? Did they, other than the papers, did you notice anything on local news? It was on the news because I'd seen it. I mean, I'd seen it on the news for a couple of nights and was, you know, I, but I thought it was all on the west side of the state. That's why I was shocked that on, you know, the 18th, I drove right underneath this huge thing. Right. I've just seen you looking around, I'm chasing a puppy. So. <laughs> He's so, scampering about, but yeah, there, it was covered. That's one show. of the things that shocked me was, especially back then, you didn't hear this stuff on the national news. I was like, mm-hmm. but they were kind of shafted because I've got an article that I've shared in the group that I got from the Flint Journal, and it was seen by the police, you know, pillars of the community, clergy, businessmen, you know, people that they couldn't. Yeah, well, the National Radar Service weather guy, uh, this fellow named Jack Bushong, you know, yeah. kind of shafted because they could, you know, there was so much, so many people had seen it. And there was so much, you know, there were so many independent witnesses of high quality that it was on these major uh, television news things. Well, and that's what Barry brought up in chat. Over 300 people called in to 911. You know, that that night over the course of what was it, 40 or 42 counties over the state of Michigan. Yeah. yeah, And so but like in the episode, besides the fact that you've got, you know, everyday civilians, you also had the, you know, the one police officer that went on went on film. You've got two airline pilots flying into O'Hare. <clears throat> that also um, wouldn't go on record with their name or well, the airline. You know, those, guys, those guys are always drunk, you know. I mean, it's, it's, I mean <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm being facetious. I mean, you know, these, I mean, these are some great. That's what I said. Great quality witnesses. You know? Yep. So, uh, Michelle, what else did Amy have to say in her chat? Um, Amy talks about she did visit a house in Allegan in '96 that had a pyramid in the backyard where the woman had claimed to communicate with beings. Oh, well that that's very interesting. Well, you figure pyramids, conductors on top, you figure the shape of a triangle. Right back. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh well Michelle, what uh before I jump into one of my observations that I found outside of the interview, what uh what did you kind of pick up on? Which part I'm, I'm still fascinated and confused about the, um, the connection to the Great Lakes. I realize that we are the largest bodies of fresh water, but it's the, the usage of what that water truly is being used for. And the eyewitness account from the campers, the couple that were camping that saw the, the mile high waterfall being drawn into the craft so you know with 
wishing we could talk to them. Man, that's I got to tell you, I followed this whole thing for years and years and years because of my involvement with it. And I had never heard that. That blew my mind. Yeah. I, I was actually just about to ask, has anybody before this Unsolved Mysteries and everything, had anybody ever heard of a UFO doing that before? No. Guy, no. didn't didn't yeah. you in that one uh, video yeah, yeah. that you I sent? Uploaded, I uploaded two clips into the Facebook group. Okay. I've got this huge, I got like almost a terabyte of documentaries. This thing sent me on a quest, my own experiences. And I save them. I got a library of them. And I immediately thought of an episode in Australia where a bunch of very, you know, very good witnesses, you know, people like in their 60s, business people, they watched this craft hover over a lake and do something quite similar. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't identical, but, you know, sucked water up, then it dropped it down. And and then I found another one. So I actually uploaded two, a lake in Peru where uh, Chase, Chase Kloweski, who's a UFO investigator from the States, went down to Peru to just study UFOs down there because they're more open about it. And she spoke to this mayor who said, you got to help us with this lake. And I uploaded that video because he sweared, swore that there's there was a huge lake outside their town. And it, this is the mayor of the town. And he said that these UFOs sucked all the water out of it. And he was very matter of fact about it and couldn't even believe that he got the, he, she looked quizzical or something and he said, well, don't you have UFOs in the United States? I mean, down there in South America in particular, that these things exist are kind of an accepted thing, right? Brazil and Peru are really good about it. But yeah, there's been other cases. But I'd never, I had followed this. I'd read everything I could read. And I'd never heard about these campers seeing this thing 6,000 feet. I'm like, and what's it doing with the water? I mean, it's crazy. So I don't know. Yeah, I I speculate on that. And the only thing I can think of is that it would be something for a cooling uh, of their propulsion systems, maybe. Um, Considering March being very cold and the lake is just about all frozen over except for one area, you have no ships in the water. So it's probably very clean, very cold right on the edge of that freezing point. And then these crafts start showing up to take the water. And it may be something that has to be just at the right temperature and, and might have something to do with March. Well, that's He did mention that it was a perfectly clear night and it was like 21 degrees outside. So we have, we have all that really good data that's very helpful. I have, in, in the time of like, like guy watching documentaries and TV shows, listening to Coast to Coast AM and all that over the years, I have heard stories like this before. I don't have uh, any that I could like, I can't remember where I've heard them or specific Uh-oh. details, but I know I've heard this before. Um, I'm going to have to check out those video clips guy, because I'm curious because uh, it sounds like it's all lakes, even though I can swear that I've heard this story before out over an ocean as well. Um, but it's all lakes. And I would wonder what time of year, because I, I mean, I don't know how much colder they get in South America than as they do it like up here and stuff. But um, I'd, I'd, I'd wonder if there's any sort of correlation between the time frames and temperatures. This is all stuff we could find good, out. Good question. Yeah. Well, go ahead, Michelle. Yeah, we've got uh, Barry in chat. There was a case in Glen Arbor, Michigan, where the UFO hovered over a pond. And there's actually pictures 
So he said that he just saw the story online within the last couple of weeks. So I wrote that down to investigate further. Okay. And that was just within the last two weeks that happened. So, um, you know, that, that's very interesting. We'll have to look into that for sure. Because Well, I mean, uh, it, it. he said he saw it in the last two weeks. It might be an old, oh. you know, it was Halloween time. They post old stories. So be a, Mar- be a March story. Though. You know, it'd be interesting to see if it is a March story. You're <laughs> no, right. Totally. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because Glenn Arbor, where is that? I don't know. It's somewhere. Uh, I think it's I on the it. west side of the state. I think it is too. Yeah. yeah. I could be wrong, but yeah. So, you know, Michigan's a pretty big state, man. Dude. There's so many cities and stuff. It's like four <laughs> four hours from the top to bottom, just the lower peninsula. Yeah. Yeah. It's very big. So let's see. Glen Arbor. Uh, it's Leelanau. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, that, so way up north there. Yeah. yeah. Up by Traverse City ish. Oh, I know what I was going to bring up yes. to you guys. Not to not to interrupt, but I found this blew my mind, kind of. Um, Thanks, Barry. By the way, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna. Did you guys know? I posted a picture, and of course, this is. I posted a picture that I found in the group that stunned me. It was exactly what I saw. But what stunned me more, you know, in terms of this triangle above my head. But what stunned me was the number of people, and I want—I should have counted it before I came on and did this, was the number of people that said the same thing. I saw that too, blah, blah, blah. And there's like 20 people in there that said, you know, a, a ton, close to two dozen people that said, I saw the same thing over my house. I saw the same thing over a field across the street. I'm like, I'm like, how common is this stuff? I mean, getting away, I'm getting away from Jack's segment there a little bit, but I was just kind of stunned that yeah. so many people... Just referencing something I did in the group, and I found this picture in some doc again, some documentary I hadn't seen. Right, this guy holds up this triangle, and I'm going, dude, that's what was above my head exactly, like 125 foot. And uh, I posted it, and all these people said, "Yeah, I saw that." And I'm like, my god, I think I think there's this conspiracy of silence because people fear being ridiculed. I'm just wacky enough, you know. I don't know. I've always been. Big on the truth. And anyway, I getting tangential. Let's talk about Jack. And I just thought that was, I was really shocked by the number of people that said, just went on and on. And I, quite a few people, in my view, that said, I've seen the same thing over my house, across the street, wherever. You know, I was like, damn, this, what are they, how is this not? But, you know, you know, if you talk about this openly, most people won't do it. I've always been really quirky. I was retired by the time I really started yapping about it. I wasn't a teacher at high school. I give you guys, I give you guys a tremendous amount of credit for the work you've done. And I'm not patronizing you for this YouTube thing, but, but I mean it for real, man. I've thought about it tonight. I was thinking, you know, Wayne and Michelle have really put themselves out there being an earth science teacher and a, just be an English teacher. I mean, man, I can't believe you did this because most people you're to be commended for your courage because most people in those kind of positions will not talk about this kind of stuff. They just, they won't do it. So anyway, here's the, well, this, this thanks, thanks for you. I, this yeah, for we, you. uh, we appreciate that. So I was, you I was, were the first one to come on. So you helped, uh, uh, bring that truth forward a little bit. Well, and I brought my mythology students into it. Uh, just yesterday, they were working on their Norse mythology. 
comic yeah. strips and they were actually listening to the episode. So cool. I love that. I love that. I love that. That is so cool. I wish I wish you'd have been my teacher in high school. So we, we got we got through the possum story. They left my room with visual images of Jack's foot on a on the back of a possum. <laughs> and one hand he's got a mailbox and under his foot's a possum. What kind of dance was that? Yeah. And then imagine opening your front door, being his friend's mom, and seeing this image in front of you. Yeah. Honey, there's a screaming man with a mailbox in one hand and a possum under his foot. There's something you don't see every day. No, and I had such a, I could not keep a straight face during the interview at all. I had to keep shutting the camera off. Good story. Yeah. It was yeah. Funny. Um, just real quick, just so people know, we are currently also live streaming on Twitter, on our Twitter feed. You can find us there and also in our Facebook group, you can find us live streaming there as well. So right now it seems like everything is working pretty well and, uh, we will continue to do the live streams, not only on YouTube, but also Twitter and Facebook. So everybody that's watching, thank you very much. And it looks like Barry had something to add to his story. Michelle, what does he have to say? Uh, he said that the story actually happened a long time ago. Um, the guy just had the pictures developed. Ah, so and okay. he heard the story within the last couple still of weeks. an interesting story, though, man. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, thanks a lot, Barry. We're, we're going to definitely look into that and see what we can find out. Now, and I agree, our Facebook user, a.k.a. Coach, um, who said that most people won't say anything because they've been called crazy for too long. Yeah. I figure I could be called worse. So, yeah. I, I float around YouTube and make comments under other people's videos, and I got called crazy a couple of times today. I mean, I, I don't respond. I just... I, I don't interact with those people. I'm like, well, they called Jack crazy. There's people attacking him on Twitter. Oh, which God. I find interesting that, you know, are saying that he's delusional. I mean, my oh, God, my he God. tracked these things for like five or six hours on radar oh, with, as Barry said, I need a you know, with the 300 witnesses, you the bet. police, you know, going all around. I mean, it's crazy. Um, just what I just, I don't. Yeah. yeah. Jack, Jack is clearly schizophrenic. I, I'm, <laughs> You know, I've got a four-year degree <laughs> in psychology, and yeah, uh, is when he, he presents as, uh, you know, probably he's definitely on the schizophrenic spectrum. That, come on, <laughs> this guy is so grounded and so rooted in science, and so come on, and and he's got the data. All right, yeah, yes, you know, that's the thing. You can have your own. You can have your own ideas. You can't have your own facts, brother. Mm-hmm. Yep. So one of the things I wanted to point out from my observations and talking with Jack, and um, this is no joke, and Michelle can attest to this, that before I even started recording the interview, we probably talked for close to an hour just about weather, radar, flight simulate, all these things that we had in common. It was really, really strange, a love for aviation and um, and then the next thing I know, an hour had gone by. And then when I hit the record button, you know, it was, uh, um, you know, like a three hour show. And I knew, I knew it was going to be a long one. So that was uh, uh, something <laughs> that really surprised me. And after that interview, I think we talked for another half hour and, now we're talking on the phone quite a bit about things and it's just uh 
the people that are contacting him and stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I want to dig into that after the break, you know, and, and uh, some of the stuff that he's told me. So I have even more behind the scenes, behind the scenes stuff to talk about that we didn't release. And there is some things that I was uh, asked not to release. And I'm honoring that because we don't want any issues with anybody or causing any issues with Jack and, and well, I'm anything co- I'm else. coming over to your house, man. And I'm going to, I've got I'll my, tell you what, I got my know, syringe with the sodium pentothal. I'm gonna- <laughs> <laughs> I, I will tell you what guy you talk about this thing being, yeah, I, I you got, know, a wacky experience and and stuff. Yeah, I look at the people we've talked to so far and all those experiences and just the data we we are collecting here. Um, it's just really I don't know. But anyways, before we go any further, um in about eight minutes, everybody will be our one hour mark and we're going to take about a five minute break at that point for people to get drinks, go to the bathroom, chase cats around. <laughs> right. So, um, but my observations, I already talked about one of them and that was the, the, the way that the radar is understood by the media and how it is um, played out and everything else in, in the media and movies and stuff. So how it gives that false picture of how things work. So it, it kind of creates this false narrative. Um, but one of the things, and guy, thank you for this. I was watching a video on your website of the 2008 episode of UFO hunters on the history channel way back when with Fred Burns, I think his name was always oh, wore the glasses. Oh, no, I think it's Bill Burns. Yeah, Bill Burns. Okay. Bill Burns. Yeah. And he had I a little team and they would go and investigate these, you know, uh, UFO areas and, you know, these stories and look for evidence. Well, one of the things that they said, and I want to try to get a confirmation of this, but they said, that the Aurora Borealis was very, very active that night of March 8th, 1994. Like people, that's why a lot of people were outside because they were being attracted by the Aurora Borealis and wanting to see it. And that's how a lot of people saw these craft and started making uh, uh, their reports. And I wonder... You know, can we confirm this? And is there a possible connection? Because when the Aurora Borealis is happening, that's a large amount of energy that is, you know, it's solar particles coming from the sun hitting the atmosphere. And so, you know, does that cause some kind of interference for whatever these craft are making them visible? Do they need to exchange their water supply and their coolant at that time because they're, you know, something is going on. Um, I just thought it was amazing. The only thing I could find, and it was, uh, uh, I wrote here, according to a 2014 space.com article, there was amazing auroras in 1989 because of a massive solar storm that was happening at that time. Hmm. What do you guys think about that? I mean, 
that that's the only thing I could find. I couldn't get back to, or I couldn't find anything on 1994, but uh, I found it very interesting. And and now I'm not, I'm looking at every little possible thing that uh, I have an idea. All right, let's go teacher. Yep. I go for it. No, no. I mean, that, that's a, that's definitely, I mean, there may be some sort of scientific thing as you suggested and, course me being a dumb guy who doesn't know science at all you know i know the behavioral sciences but uh that may make sense another thing that immediately i thought of is you know when i drove my car underneath this triangle which was right above right above the trees maybe 125 foot in the air i've thought very often lately that obviously this thing wanted me to see it and 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 an alternative answer to what you just said and I'm not saying that what you said may not be the case, but I'm saying I'm thinking maybe they thought the aurora, aurora borealis are out. People will be outside and they wanted to be seen because these things. I've had a couple of experiences that are quite odd I, and we all know about them. And uh, believe me, you are not going to see these things unless they want you to see them. OK, so that's an option, too. Maybe they thought. People will be out wanting to see the Aurora Borealis, and so let's put on a show. But uh, just something that came to mind the minute you started talking. I was like, yeah, I wonder if it could be that. But I don't know. I I don't know anything. No, no. So, but that's your your that, that that would definitely be a really good thing, you know, to look at and see if there's any, you know, correlation between, you know. The, a really great display of the aurora borealis and the appearance of these things and yeah you know, like volcanoes erupt and a lot of times people see them i mean what's that about i don't i don't know all right awesome well thanks guy for that uh burton do you want to jump in real quick before we take our break um sure uh <clears throat> no i think you could be i think that's definitely something to look into that's kind of what i was just trying to do here because i think there is a way to look up that information um, but yeah, I totally think that it, it could have something to do with it. Um, why not, uh, uh, uh high, cause doesn't that cause a little bit of extra radiation in the atmosphere and everything? <clears throat> so then why not? Like, why couldn't that have, uh, I don't know, some sort of positive effect on a craft that we don't understand. Uh, right. yeah, possible. Yeah. Uh, it, well, yeah. And it could, uh, you know. I you know I've I've heard theories too of like they they'll use things like aurora borealis or or thunderstorms or just lots of big clouds and stuff to hide in and navigate and and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I, I think that I think if we can if we can find a way to uh, confirm that, I think that would be another useful p- data point for sure. Yep, yep, it's yep. that would definitely be a, an interesting feature. One more piece of data that you'd want to explore if that's the case. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. I I agree, and uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce this name. Ain Del Rio says hola from the channel Ain Del Rio, one Argentine in Germany. Well, welcome very much. We are glad to have you watching. Yeah, nice this. to meet you too. I'm seeing that in the chat. Yeah, yeah nice to meet you as well. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Peace. Glad to have you on board. A I N E. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it's Ain. Ain. All right. So I wish, I wish my wife was could here. be Ani. My mm. wife calls tortillas tortillas. 
<laughs> I swear. Quesadillas. She does. Yeah. All right, Michelle, before we take this break, was there anything you wanted to throw out there? No, just uh, looking forward to a special guest or two. Yes, absolutely. All right, everybody. I think what we're going to do here now is I'm going to go ahead and get ready for our break. We're going to take a five-minute break so everybody can run to the bathroom, grab a new drink. Uh, make some coffee, whatever you need to do. And we're going to go for about another hour. And uh, well, we've been live for 50 minutes. Do you guys want to hang out for another five or so and then do the break? Or you want to do it now? What do you guys feel like? I'm good for whatever. I'm easy. That's whatever you want to do. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll take the break now. That way we can, uh, uh, you know, get in there and, and see what's going on with this guest of ours. So, all right, I'm going to send everybody back to the green room. All right, Michelle, what do you think so far about this first, uh, first half of the show? Everything going good? I think that guy is waiting to find out exactly who the special guest is. Yeah, we, we got, we got some stuff lined up here. So, uh, very important stuff. All right. And I need more coffee. (laughs) Yes. All right, everybody. We are going to take a break for five and um, enjoy the break. And we'll see you back in five minutes. Enjoy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
There is four minutes left to this break. everybody just three minutes Two minutes left, everybody. Get ready. Two minutes. to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Coming to you from the glacial dumping grounds known as the Michigan Basin. I'm Michelle. And I'm Wayne. And we are a Michigan-based husband and wife educator and podcasting duo that after having a UFO sighting in March of 2018, have started to examine UFOs and other paranormal. 
All right, everybody, we're back. All right, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back. So as we get ready to get things started here again, thank you for watching live. If you're in the chat, thank you for joining us, Stephen. I see that you have shown up. That's awesome. Welcome. Welcome. Ah, well, if you guys can help us out, please share our channel with everybody that you can. We're trying to grow the YouTube side of things. Um, our podcast does pretty well. We're very happy with that, but we are trying to do something a little different. And if you like this format of show, um, please share us out. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button, hit that subscribe button, and don't forget, hit that little bell so you get the notifications when we plan on going live. All right. And just so you guys know that what we do is every about two weeks, we release an audio podcast. And then the week following that, what we want to do is release and go live and talk about that released podcast and have various people come on. Burton and Guy are joining us for this one. Um, it could be, you know, different people or the same. I mean, it doesn't really matter. So definitely um, this is kind of a format. We're going to review our stuff and then kind of go forward, do another podcast, release that. Uh, thank you very much for that, for subscribing. Um, and then, you know, once again, we'll do another live. So, you know, hopefully every weekend we are able to put some stuff out for you and uh, talk with you. And uh, this has been great so far. So very happy with the turnout. And let's go ahead and bring in my yeah. lovely co-host, Michelle. What do you think's I going on around here? Um, <laughs> a lot of craziness. Absolutely. This I just, is, uh, I think back to our encounter and my biggest regret was not having my phone in my hand. So I would have loved to have taken a video just to prove, I mean, have that hardcore proof, like the the radar data that Jack had to confirm what all of those people calling into 911 that night yeah, saw. It's like, you know, the collaboration between the two, you no know, denying it. Well, you know, what was interesting, too, was that <clears throat> he talked about that weather data basically being collected and scrubbed or the company that was available out there, you know, they collected the, the actual data feeds and then that company went out of business. So the, the actual data is not available anymore. Right. But we kind of talked about places that might have it. And that's one of those behind the, uh, what I want to say behind the scenes kind of talking that we did. So some of the researching and snooping around, I'm going to end up doing to see if we can find out more about what was going on, but let's bring in our other panelists for right now. And we have Burton. Welcome back, Burton. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> and then of course we are joined once again with guy. How's it going guy? Uh, it's hard to get rid of me. From what I can tell, <laughs> that's a good episode, thing. Episode four, episode fourteen. I mean, I'm, I'm everywhere. It's it's disturbing. You know? <laughs> yep. 
So before we go any further, one thing I want to do is again, reiterate, we are trying to help one of my coworkers find the suspected murderer of his brother-in-law. And if you watch the episode of unsolved mysteries right after the one with Jack Bouchon called something in the sky, you'll see an unsolved mysteries show called body in bags where a person here in Melvindale, Michigan, just right up the road from us. And I believe it was 2014. Michelle, do you know when that happened? Um, 2018. No. Yeah. 2018. 2018. And um, he was murdered and disembodied into three parts. And then his body was disposed of in various bags along southbound I-75. I did. I want to just interject around, real quick. I did watch that. And yeah. Man, around Finley, Ohio. That was gruesome. Horrible. Yeah, it was. And then come to find out, okay, you want to talk about synchronicities and stuff. I was telling coworkers that we had Jack Bouchon coming on and that, um, you know, we were going to interview him from Unsolved Mysteries. And somebody said, did you watch the episode after that? That was, you know, one of the coaches at our school. And he's in that with his wife, who was the sister of the victim. Um, so I work with the um, the brother-in-law of the victim. And so they, they have asked us, you know, and, and we, when I saw the plead from the father of the, uh, the victim and, and finding out he was a former military guy, you know, I felt like, and I looked at Michelle and Michelle looked at me kind of at the same time on the couch and was like, you know, is there anything we can do? Can we help them in some way? Sure. We got the ear of like 30,000 people on our podcast. And then on our Facebook group, we have close to 7,000 people in that Facebook group. And somebody even responded on that Facebook group and said that, they work with other members of the family. So I'm asking people to try to help out. And if you can, if you got any information on this person, this Tamara, or she goes by Tammy Renee Williams, contact one eight seven seven want it to, or go to unsolved.com and put in your information. Now, since that show is aired, um, we were told by um, the family members that they have been getting all kinds of great information. So please keep up that information and getting it out there. Um, be on the lookout. This woman is psychotic uh, to say the least yeah. to be able to do that to somebody um, and probably armed and very dangerous. So, well, and the U um, S marshals are on her. It's it just, it's maybe just one more tip that puts them even closer to catching her. Wasn't yeah. this the gal? Doesn't she have a huge distinctive tattoo on her arm? Yeah, it was roses. I mean, if people so, don't, not to interrupt you guys because you know all about it, but if you look up this woman's, you know, I'm sure she would be easily found using Google or something. I mean, she's got this really huge distinctive tattoo on her arm. And I would encourage anybody. To, to uh, look at that picture because man, it's mm -hmm. a one of a kind and big and yeah, because yeah. they they left off in the episode with her 
fleeing to New York. And then that's like the the end of it for the time being. Yep. It's uh so once again, anybody that can uh provide any kind of information, uh, again, call. I believe this number is to the US Marshals. It's one eight seven seven want it two. Or you can just go to unsolved.com and add in, you know, information there. Probably send an email or fill out a form. But again, the family, you know, thanks you for any help. And remember that there is a $10,000 reward for information leading to her capture. So, you know, that doesn't hurt either. But, you know, we really want to help this family out. They need closure. They need to find this woman. She needs to be, you know, punished in a court of law for what she did so she's dangerous man and she's dangerous you know these are the type of people that hook up with other people you know and and put on the smiley face and god only knows if she's going to do this to somebody else or so yeah we need to uh get her off the street so all right so getting back into this uh, kind of waiting for one of our special guests to jump on and we'll bring them on when, once we have them on board and confirmation, but, um, what do we got here? So I have an idea. You can search a very, very good sensitive medium that can help. Uh, yeah, there's actually been some of that that has actually helped. Yeah. So, uh, Wayne, did you, uh, did you guys continue watching? Uh, how 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 deep are you into the unsolved season? Um, I know there was one that I watched a little bit of, which was the the Las Vegas murder. Um, was was he a some type of a comedian? Or oh something? yeah 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 oh yeah 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 yeah. He when he was like a he was like a wrestler guy, but he was just like yeah. the, he was just the most popular guy in Las Vegas, basically. Yeah. Um. So did you, you didn't, so you haven't happened to see the one yet about, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's about two, uh, native American police officers that the Navajo tribe. Yes. Oh man. I yes. watched that I one. Watched that yes. one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Crazy man. That um, took my breath away more than one time. I, I could not. Let's, some of that. Let's, yeah. That was great. man. Let's say we're going to try to get one of those guys. Oh, on. Yeah. Oh my God. That'd be, Oh my God. So, that'd be amazing. Can I be, <laughs> <laughs> no, that yeah. was so impressive. Yeah. Like, I mean, kind of like Jack in a different way. I mean, like, yeah. you, you can't like, you can't like mistrust these guys. I'm sorry. Man. Right. These no were, were basically, you know, Navajo Rangers. Great, man. I, lo- I was riveted, yeah. man. Yeah. Riveted. It's a great episode. Great season all, all around. Yeah, yep. it is. It is. Although the one about your friend who was the coach, man, that really... Man, that was upsetting. And yeah. So it was yeah. like my wife and I watched it. And we were just like, man. And what what the heck is with the synchronicities of all this stuff, man? Why? You know, it is weird, man. That's really it is so weird. Yeah, so awesome. one of the things, too, I want to point out to everybody who's watching right now or will watch in the future is if you have a UFO or paranormal story you'd like to t- tell or share with us. Um, you can contact us or just write about the show and you want to give us some hints, you you know, something we should change, something you like. 
please feel free to email us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. And also Burton has a podcast called Follow the Reaper, where he's looking for first and second hand true stories of the paranormal. And Burton, before we go today, make sure that um, you let everybody know where they can write you or send in their stories to you and you know what you would like to do that so please remind me before we go yeah absolutely right now no before oh, okay. we go. okay yeah okay yeah yeah at the end of the <laughs> absolutely. show absolutely yeah and uh even put some links in there but all right so i see that our special guest has arrived and is hanging out in the green room and so we're just gonna go ahead and bring him on michelle are you ready i'm ready are you sure? Oh, absolutely. Now, you guys got to stop this. You know, I, I've had a heart attack <laughs> and a stroke. All right. You well, you're you're right over the top of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So, Guy, are you ready? I was ready at like 628. <laughs> Burton? Are totally. You ready? All right. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, please help us welcome. Jack Bouchon. Let me get oh, this right. There we go. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Hello, friend. How are you doing? Welcome. Thank you. Doing really well. Um, we can't have uh, an episode talking about Jack and not have Jack come on. <laughs> Seems reasonable. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, thank you. Uh, welcome. Um, thank you for welcoming to, me to your group. Uh, it's, uh, it's really awesome uh, to be on a panel like this. I uh, never thought I would see the day <laughs> that this would happen. Yeah. Uh, but um, I, uh, uh, I guess um, my life has pretty well changed since uh, Unsolved Mysteries now. And uh, I'm getting a lot of messages from people in Michigan and elsewhere uh, that are both interested in what I saw, but, uh, but mainly things that they've seen. And uh, things in West Michigan. It sounds like West Michigan is a really hotbed for activity. And what what strikes me uh, that's amazing is that um, uh, is is they uh, uh, is they're they're matching up uh, these these stories uh, that people are seeing um, in uh, in West Michigan. And then when I when I asked my dad about a certain area, and I'm not going to mention it yet, or uh, maybe not ever. I don't know. I don't know if I should do that, something like that. But when I asked my dad about it, he said, um, he said, yeah, I heard stories about this particular location too. And so, and that he said he heard that many years ago, decades ago. And so, so it continues on. Um, the people I just talked to said that they have seen things, um, uh, that were pretty remarkable, and they continue to see them. So it's a hotbed of activity right in this this region. Yeah. So uh, that's Jack, over um, the lakeshore of Lake Michigan. You, I guess we could say that when when you talked about enjoying your retirement, but now you have this new calling. Yeah. Um, you're getting people contacting you, putting you right into that full like researcher role um, with the information you're getting from some people. Um, and yeah, you, you don't want to put too much out there for various reasons, right. but what else have you been hearing? Um, anybody coming forward from that 94, yeah, March 8th, 94, or like in Guy's case, uh, <clears throat> March 18th or other sides uh, of the state? 
I imagine you're being inundated. Yeah, I'm being inundated, and I have a couple hundred messages I have to get through. Plus, I have tips coming into from uh, Unsolved Mysteries. They have uh, tips that get logged in, and then they have emails along with it. So I have to go through all those. Um, But uh, a lot of them are are saying, I mean, it's 100% positive. These people, uh, you know, um, enjoyed the show. They were positive. There were no... Uh, except on Twitter, just one. They're, uh, they're, they were pretty well positive and they believe the story and know something's going on. There was nobody trying to get in there and debunking it. Um, and I myself, I mean, I really thought uh, over the last, uh, since 1994, that somebody would want to talk to me that was in the government or something like that, but nobody ever did. Nobody ever came up to me and wanted to talk about uh, what I saw because I got pretty good, really intense um, uh, observational data from the radar that I would think somebody that would want to know about this technology would, would want to know how I viewed it, um, how I know that they were solid objects um, instead of like plasma balls or something like that. And uh, the reason why is because, and I'll tell you, the weather radar, uh, it measures the amount of reflected uh you know, uh, radar waves. So, uh, you know, and we have to do that because we have to determine how heavy the rain is falling, right? So light, moderate, or heavy rain, or even see hail in there. And so we have markers for different uh, types of objects. So um, we have another scope uh, called the amplitude scope or the A scope. And it shows for rain, it'll show, you know, like a fuzzy line, yes. Hey, Jack, just real quick. Um, I don't know what happened or changed from when you first came on, but your microphone has a very, like, very staticky kind oh. of. It some... might be right. It might be hitting my shirt. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep. I'll keep. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. It sounds almost like electronic interference of some kind. It's really? the aliens. Okay. No, it's not uh-huh. the aliens. It's, no, it's not the aliens guy. I'm, I'm joking. That was a that was a that was a rib. That was hmm. a joke. All right, how do I sound now? It still be a keyboard it, away. It almost sounds like uh, like you're talking through a fan a little bit. Really? Okay. It, you know what? I I and I really feel bad. I have this brand new headphones. And it has a mic to it. I pulled the microphone off because I fell asleep with these headphones on, listening to music. And then now I can't find the mic. Of course, you know, so. <laughs> we were we were on the live with you when you took them out of the box. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's right. It's, these, it's these nerdy scientists, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I fell asleep listening to music. <laughs> yep. All right. So, uh, Jack, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to remove you from the uh the meat for a minute here and go back into your settings and see if maybe something changed with your audio selection or maybe you need to change it to your headset or something like that okay and uh see if it like resets for you so let me just pull the let me see if this works i'll just pull the headphones out okay and can you hear me now yeah but it, yeah. it, it still has that static to it it's really bizarre really all right well then uh let me uh let me log out and come back in and see if that yeah sounds good all right all right we'll see you in a minute see you in a minute
actually, All right, guys. That actually is kind of weird because there was two different microphones that he used. Yeah. And it was coming the same way through both. Haven't you guys had something weird like that before with another guest? Where yes. lo- okay, so yeah, maybe, yeah. okay, maybe the guy tr- wasn't off. <laughs> the, the, the truth, I was only half joking. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> we, if we on another show, I can tell you about my buddy on the East Coast on Martha's Vineyard who's had a fleet of UFOs over his head and the electronic weirdness we've had trying to communicate on the phone, like stuff disappearing and sparkling and. You know, so. Oh yeah, it was guy that was yeah okay. I, I think you talked about that on there on the episode with Wayne and Michelle, right? I or may something? have. Yeah, I, may, yeah. I, I feel like I remember this story. So I may have, yeah. That's, yeah. And you would think lot, so. you would think if anybody was going to have static tonight, it would be Wayne and I. The wind out here is kicking. Oh, it's crazy. Oh, I think it's crazy for all four here. of us. Yeah. It is a, oh no! Okay, I had just across oh, the state. I, I oh yeah, I had to uh, like I was a little bit late hopping on because I had to run around the corner to my parents house they're out of town grandma's there alone and the uh the get the gas grill blew off the deck so i had to oh, run man. over there and check on that real quick oh. and right in front of our house a, our neighbor's tree fell right into our driveway earlier today oh, big man. ass like 30 yeah. foot tree oh wow oh they were seeing All 60 right. mile per hour winds oh, yeah oh, yeah it looks like jack's back let's go ahead and check the uh audio here All right. okay uh how do i sound now there we go all right, good, good. Thank you. So I did it. Whatever you did. Okay. Yep. Whatever right. you did. You're just you're just a little quiet. So I don't know if maybe it's just because you're a little bit away from your mic, but other than that, sounds great. Okay. So I'm so what I was gonna say was that um the, the story I heard about around Muskegon is something that's similar to what my dad I just talked to him tonight when I read these messages and he said he had heard similar things from 60 years ago so uh yeah that's that's crazy yeah. and and we're is that like also from like the west side of the state of michigan roughly yeah yeah that was in the west side generally the same area i mean pretty much the same spot uh the only difference is that um you know it's it's roughly uh, uh some sand dunes um that are no longer there they were taken out by uh, by someplace so um some companies so uh now it's just a pit but the activity uh continues hmm. so well we've Burton... had a lot of we've had a lot of uh sand companies come in that's generally been we have a, we get a lot of sand so a lot of glass companies come in for the sand they come and then they you know but uh but in this case uh the activity that went along with this hill, even though they took the mountain away, uh, the activity is continuing in that area. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, but Burton, I want to throw this over to you. So here we have the the featured star of episode two, season three of Unsolved Mysteries, something in the sky. Is there any pressing questions that you wanted to ask him? <laughs> Since I surprised you with uh, bringing him on, uh, was there something you wanted to ask? Um, well, first of all, it's very nice to meet you, Jack. I, um, Me too. I absolutely adored adore. I, I've grown up with unsolved mysteries, and when I saw that episode, it blew my mind, and I had to text Wayne right, about it right away. Um, and you were great on it. It was a great uh, story. One I was not familiar with. Couldn't believe I wasn't familiar with it, considering how long I've been into this grow, 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 growing up in Michigan my whole life and everything. Uh, but um, I mean, 
actually like i don't remember if this was mentioned uh in the podcast episode or in the uh netflix episode or, or either of them but wayne you you brought up this thing earlier and i i was trying to look it up while we were on break really quick trying to uh look up like past uh weather data for that day and everything and jack do you remember anything about like uh aurora borealis happening that night in that part of the state or anything i never heard of anything uh um that was um, something I think uh, the police mentioned. Maybe it could be Aurora Borealis, but um, that wouldn't that wouldn't give me the signatures on the radar that I saw. Oh, know? yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Not as an explanation so, for what you right. saw at but all. I, Just but, yeah. You know, uh, and I I have actually mentioned this. It was a flying tin can. It was a. A highly reflective object, solid object, up as high as 60,000 feet with nothing around it, just the craft or whatever it was, this spot, you know, and it hovered there. And from what I looked at, uh, we have, you know, so it was obviously some kind of flying craft. You know, was it a balloon? It could be, but the balloon was going thousands of miles an hour, so I don't doubt it, you know. (laughs) Um, so, um, but, and why would there be a balloon at, you know, at that hour anyway, in the middle of the winter? Um, so, um, but what I'm getting at is that it wasn't ground clutter because I had the, the radar beam angled at such a height. It couldn't be ground clutter, you know, ground clutter is when you have the, the beam kind of, it does follow the earth a little bit and sometimes it hits an inversion and bounces down. Well, when you angle it like this, you're going up like this, you're not going to, you're going to go right through that inversion like nothing. And, and I can, so I can wave the radar back up and down and back and forth and kind of search in a grid like pattern, like with a flashlight, you're looking for something. And so it's, it's unlike an uh, air traffic control radar in that I have a, basically a cone shaped, um, you know, round beam going out, spreading out, getting bigger. And then, um, well, whereas the air traffic control radar takes the entire, it's got a big, large oval to take the entire sky in one sweep. Ours doesn't work that way. We have, we have it kind of to focus in on a specific place. We need that. Now, we normally, in the old days, in the 70s, it's different now. Uh, but in the 70s with the analog radars, it was just stuck at 0.5 degrees above you know, horizon. Mm -hmm. And so we just shot out, you know, close to the ground just to get, you know, going in automatic mode, going around and just getting the, the, the precipitation that you would see. And so, um, now when we have to look at thunderstorms that could be active, um, severe or lots of hail, we have to look for uh, uh, them by raising, stopping the radar. I turn a, a knob, and then I crank. I stop, and then I can crank one crank going side to side, and also up and down. And so I can see the like a three-dimensional view, cut a cut through of a thunderstorm. Okay, so um, so I can see, you know, so so in that way, the way I see hail is with that A-scope I was talking about, which is the, the, the large waves. And the larger the wave, you know, the heavier the rain. But at some times you get this like spike where it just 
noodles off the uh, graph. And that's when I'm seeing not liquid, but a solid. And so that's when I'm seeing kale. So if you remember, if anybody remembers on the recording, I say it's something, there's something, it's spiking. So there's yes. something pretty solid. Okay, so what I meant was the A-scope was spiking. That means it's really something really solid. And that means basically it's a solid object, not liquid, not plasma, that's way up high at 12,000, 6,000, 12,000, 20,000, and up to uh, as high as 55, 60,000 that I saw. So, so you have, you have to like take away, you know, when you, when you, when I try to research this myself, just kind of basically taking and looking over my notes, I did this um, uh, research where I cut out what everything possibly it could be that I was looking at. You know, uh, was it an inversion? Like I keep hearing meteorologists say, no, absolutely not, because I raised the radar to a point where I was cutting through any inversion. So forget about that. It's not an inversion. Any meteorologist out there, I was not looking at an inversion that was bouncing the radar back. And even if I did, what I saw was not what um, the ground clutter would look like. You know, you would see, you don't see one little spot moving along at a, at either a slow, medium, or high rate of speed. You see just it sitting there, you know, that's ground clutter. A tree, a building, they just sit there. They don't move, you know, and you can't right. see them move. So um, now, um, so, and there was also clear air around it. I mean, I could see all around it, clear air. And it was, it was not on strings. <laughs> it was, it was a craft that was hovering there, you know, and moving slowly and I could see it move and then darting, you know, and I would, I would wave, I had to, to keep it painted, keep, you know, and it, uh, my scope at that time in the old days uh, was like a phosphorus where, you know, it's kind of like a glow in the dark stuff where, mm -hmm. you know, the, uh, the um, you know, the beam goes out and it, it shows on the screen. Um, basically, uh, you know, as you see, if you saw that old black and white radar from the old days, it just kind of glows up and then it just, it just kind of sits there and that fades away. Well, in order for me to, to actually see it, I had to keep waving it; otherwise, it would dim away. If it was, um, if it was, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, stationary and, and uh, not moving, uh, I still had to wave over it. So in that case, I had, I did see them jump because I kept waving, and I would see it jump from one spot to twenty miles away. Well. Jack, before you jumped on here and joined us, um, one of the things that I was able to watch, thanks to Guy, was the UFO Hunters History Channel show back in 2008, where you were interviewed and, and talked about this experience with them way back when. And one of the things that they had mentioned, and I think this is why Burton wanted to ask you about this, was that uh, in that show, they had stated that the Aurora Borealis was visible that night and very active. Okay. And I had just deposited the question of, you know, is could there be a possible connection between Aurora Borealis and, you know, seeing these craft or, you know, you're putting a lot of energy from the sun into, you know, a massive solar storm is coming and hitting the atmosphere 
maybe it's affecting these craft in some way that they have to then, you know, get water or what, you know, whatever. I mean, just full of speculation. So um, that I kind of have, you know, proposed that out to the group and um, yeah. So that's, you know, did you hear of anything that night about the Aurora? Well, I, I was, um, I was pointing the radar. Well, I went outside that night. I didn't, I didn't see it myself. Uh, the only time I saw the Aurora Borealis is by going north up to uh, Mackinac City and camping up in that area. I saw it twice up there, um, and uh, we used to camp quite often. So, but it was rare that I would see. I saw it twice. So, and they're beautiful, but um, I just don't think the radar would pick up that's too far away you know we're talking about something that you can invisible but is hundreds thousands of miles away i suppose um i don't i don't know if the electromagnetic radiation from it can affect the radar but i suppose it's possible but i had the radar being pointed towards the south away from the north where you would see the aurora borealis so and uh, and also the the police officer and uh, Holly Graves were looking down towards the southwest where they had moved to. So you were looking away from. You got your back to the aurora to the north where the aurora aurora borealis would be. Um, it it just like they were. Um, Holly told me and I, I asked her specifically. You know, um, you say there it was like round glowing, but could you see? through it could you see did it look like plasma or was there something underneath there and she said no there was a metallic structure underneath that uh you know metallic looking structure that was shiny reflective and um um you know there so uh and that would correspond with the radar um traces that i saw um with being uh, um basically a solid object um, and, and not only just solid, but shiny metals, you know, solid, uh, very reflective, very smooth, you know, I mean, it didn't bounce off and scatter. It came right back. Like I was looking at a mirror, you know, so Michelle, what do we got going on in the chat? Well, what Barry had put out and I would agree with this because of so many people, um, and so many phone calls in. If the auroras were that bright during that time on March 8th, it would explain why so many people did see the craft, because they would have been outside to see the auroras. That's kind of what I said. Yeah. Yep. That would make sense. How many people are going to be looking outside at March 8th? It's cold night. Cold year. You remember 1994 was an extremely cold year. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and also Michelle, I think you said earlier, what was it like 47 counties over 300? It was 40 or 42 counties had reportings from that day. And I don't, I don't totally know for sure if it was accurate or not, but there was, there was a moment in, in the unsolved episode where it seemed to kind of like go over the Western and middle portion of Michigan and put a bunch of dots down, suggesting that's where these reports were coming from and they stretched fairly far north so i almost wonder if that 2008 episode some of those witnesses were far way way farther north seeing that that night as opposed to more where in the muskegon area well i think some of the sightings stretched all the way over even into like the caseville and port austin area which is at the thumb 
Oh, so, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. All right, Michelle, what does Steven say here? Um, Steven says that he wonders if the dune area that Jack was talking about is in between Holland and Grand Haven. Uh, no, it's not. It's no? Not. Okay. Yeah, I, that I, was more the area that the couple, the couple was camping in what, Grand Haven? Yeah, they were full, full south. And, you know, and that, that's another thing that there was a, actually, that's coincidence, is that there was a similar activity um, that, and I, I can't, I can't put it out yet because I, I don't know, you know, uh, but, um, but there was a, there was a coincidence between, uh, and an uh, observation down there and one that was up in the area I'm talking about the sand dune. I, I really don't want to talk about it now because, uh, I don't want everybody go, I'm going out there and, you know, when it could be nothing, you know, it could be an urban legend. I, I got to research mm-hmm. To it, you know, I don't want to cause any problems. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, guy, yeah. Do you do you want to jump in with uh, anything for Jack? Now you have an opportunity to talk to him. I kind of know where. If I was you, what I would be talking about. But what would you? Yeah. Well, uh, uh, you know, it's so bizarre, man. It's so strange. Jack seems like a very cautious guy, and I. So was I, you know. I mean, oh yeah. You know, I have a bachelor of science in psychology. Granted, it's a behavioral science, but I mean, still, I was trained in the scientific method, and you know, I don't like to speculate. But I just got a couple of questions, I guess, real quick. I mean, when we started the podcast, I, I mean, kind of the elephant in the room, as I put it, is the fact that you saw a structured object that appeared to be under intelligent control. Yeah. going 72,000 miles an hour. And uh, I th- I don't know how much, you know, my background is kind of weird. Like eight days after, on March the 18th in Flint, a number of us drove our cars right under a huge triangular craft that was 125 foot above US-23. It was crazy and uh, terrifying, really. I mean, ter- it's a whole new level of terror. That's a whole... That's next level fear, believe me. Right, right. Uh, and that's that's interesting because I, I watched an entire series on Netflix uh, uh, about UFOs last night. I went through the whole the whole thing. And there were a couple instances about this football field-sized triangular or maybe rectangular. <laughs> I saw that about four days ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and that's, that's just crazy that yeah. you the same thing these people are seeing around the world yeah. so um it's mark and it was march the 18th i'd seen the, i'd seen well i hadn't seen 23 years later i tried to put this stuff out of my mind i mean uh i'm not gonna get into everything that happened because it's way out mm-hmm. and i'm sort of alone with it. well not alone but just some odd things happened and uh particularly to some co-workers and also to two ladies carpooling seven hours before at the same spot who had the identical stories, two sets of two sets of women carpooling to different factories with crazy stories. One of these women was my best friend where I worked. And, uh, but I don't want to get into that. And everybody on, you know, that's familiar with Wayne's podcast, Wayne and Michelle, they know what happened. So, or Can you what, tell me 
I'm sorry, I didn't. I don't. Where is this region that you saw this? This happened uh, just. Uh, Jack was about three miles south of Flint, Michigan, three or four miles. Okay. Uh, okay. Just. Uh, it was five a.m. I was at a kind of a crappy temp job. I generally had good jobs. Mm-hmm. I'd kind of fallen between the cracks, and I'd taken a job in a little factory down in New Hudson, which is near Brighton. I was only there about five weeks, but I'd uh, seen an article in the Flint Journal the night before about a UFO being seen hovering above a house over Flint. And I'd never seen anything like that in the newspaper, Uh, you know. And by the way, Jack, I sent you that article because Guy had found it at the library and scanned it in. So it was I was going to say, too, I'd also seen I was telling her earlier in the podcast, I mentioned. Back then, I watched the national news and like that week, CBS Evening News and, you know, like ABC World News Tonight, they had the reports from the west side of the state. And that's where I thought these were, period. They were odd. You know, I didn't know what to make of it. I wasn't a UFO person. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I had an every man's kind of interest in UFOs. I mean, I was a big fan of James Rondi and these debunkers. And I, I thought, you know, I'll believe that when I see it well. Uh, believe me, I was w- way too close to this huge right. ship. And I mean, it sounds crazy. I get it. I mean, and everybody and, wants proof, but I, you know, I don't know. Well, after I saw this, people started that I would have no idea. They never mentioned anything, you know, about it. I never heard any rumors. I know. Yeah. My father-in-law said he saw something once and my stepsister described something. Yeah. And that was, and the one that my stepsister said it was she was coming home from a night shift as a nurse when she was younger in the eighties, and uh, she was at a stoplight in Muskegon and she saw basically a flying saucer, wow. and it was, it was hovering over the uh, the um, a car that was coming the other direction stopped at the light. Wow! It was just the two of them at this lonely light in the middle of the night, you know. Uh, right. So, but it was hovering over this car, and I and she said she looked in the car to see if they even knew what was happening, and it didn't look like they had any idea that this thing was right above them. And wow. but she said that uh, she looked at it, had like red and green lights kind of spiraling around, you know, um, not blinking, not strobing like an aircraft, uh, but but kind of going around. Going around, yeah. Yeah, and then also it had uh, what she said the power source underneath. <laughs> dome of yellow light and uh, then it it took off to the side just and she said she saw a streak you know and i kind of wondered because i heard a nasa scientist who were trying to explain these high speed maneuvers that whether she was whether these things were going in and out of dimensions and uh and i wondered that too but when you see a streak like that i mean i mean i don't know i mean is that they're going high speed. Right. What something high speed would look like. My theory, and, and it's, you know, worthless. I'm, you know, yeah. uh, I used to play with a drummer. I was a musician for years. Then I got a degree in psychology. As he used to say, opinions are like rear ends. Everybody's got one. Right. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I'm guessing as much as anybody else, but my, my thing is, I don't think we're talking about, I don't think we're talking about one thing in every case. I mean, I think there could be interdimensional craft. There could be craft that are from planets where beings evolved very much as we have over time. 
and are just ahead of us. And, you know, it could be a little bit of everything. So, I mean, right. but, but yeah. you make a very good point. That's a great observation that there was a streak of light behind it, which sounds like, you know, sounds like a three-dimensional thing, kind of like doesn't, it doesn't sound necessarily interdimensional, you know, right. but, but that's what I was thinking. Um, and now I, I wouldn't have been able to see that. I don't think on the radar, uh, basically it just, and the way it moved with that as I waved it back and forth and the way I was able to figure it out was that how fast it was going is I pretty much waved it back and forth, like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi, you know, going back and forth like a pendulum. And so, so in between the waves, it would be here and then it would jump to here. Okay. 20 miles away in, in within that wave, you know, that, that one's crazy. And so, but, and so, well, you know, somebody could say, well, how do you know that object didn't just disappear and this other one showed up? Well, because they were all doing the same thing and they were, they would jump and then they would jump further and then further. And then, yeah. so they were, they were kind of going right. a little in a path, you know, they were nope. continuing on. So it wasn't, so no, it wasn't that I don't doubt. I'm not doubt. It's too much. Yeah. Right. You, okay. you, could, you could see the movement. I mean, you could yeah. track it. You, you were tracking. Track. Yeah. Yes. yes. All right. So, uh, just one, one second, gentlemen. Um, what I am sharing with you right now is a drawing of a UFO that was sighted at the Manor Farm in 1966. If you look down here, you can see that it was Ann Arbor News, March 21st, 1966. The caption read, "How it looked." The drawing of one of the unidentified flying objects reported over Dexter Township last night was made by Sheriff's Corporal David B. Severance from descriptions provided by a half a dozen deputies and area residents. All witnesses generally agreed on the shape and size of the objects and on the colored lights which appeared on them. Now, this, when I saw the Unsolved Mysteries episode, this drawing immediately popped in mind with the description that the eyewitnesses were giving back, you know, uh, for the the episode. Right. I would agree with that. Yeah. I think they're one in the same. Uh, It would make sense. It's... It's really bizarre. Now, now it was, um, you know, uh, there's one thing that, uh, you know, I don't know if, if in that night, if there was just one type of aircraft, it sounded like there was one major one and two uh, minor ones in the way that it looked. Now, I, I don't know. Well, for one thing, um, the... Uh, when I tried to replicate what I saw that night, I noticed that aircraft that had been in the same area and it did the uh, old grid search, you know, back and forth and going up at the same time and looking for an aircraft. It didn't show us, uh, an aircraft didn't show as much of a spike, you know, go up a bit, you know, a good bit, 75% of the, uh, of, you know, of it, but it wouldn't hit the top 
not like that night. So, you know, so what that means is, and basically the further you go away, the less it's going to be, not only because there's less energy, but because the, 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 the cone goes out further and further. So um, when my um, radar, the beam width that it would detect was a half a mile. So it, it was like it filled up that entire half mile or pretty close to it. And the, so either it was a craft that was a half mile big somewhere, or um, there were a few crafts in tight formation. And that, and then when people say, and see when it was going crazy, it was going, going apart and coming together and going apart and coming together. So that would make complete sense in that, um, and with the, when one other, one other observation was right after that incident, I called uh, air traffic control in Muskegon, which is just on the other side of the airport terminal. And I asked him, I said, um, did, I told him what happened. Then I asked him, you know, did you see anything to the south? And he said, well, I didn't see anything on radar, but I did see three aircraft in formation. He looked through his binoculars. Now, he didn't see anything on radar, possibly because they didn't have a transponder on them. So, um, and I think, don't military aircraft have to have a transponder on them? Yep. I think so. And they they also have to have a, uh, if I remember correctly, IFF. It's called Identify Friend or Foe. Oh, okay. Because you, you don't want to shoot down one of your fellow airmen, you know, miles away. And uh, lock them in radar and, and send a missile their way for sure. But um, Barry brings up a couple quick things, and you just kind of discussed it. He said he just watched a video today that said it, and I'm guessing the UFO, split up into three and then went back to one. And then he says, did they go three in a triangle shape and then merge into one? And, Jack, you were just showing... Yeah. Like with your hand, the, the, the move that it was doing, it was almost like when they showed it on and, and, you know, obviously I wasn't there, but when they showed it on unsolved mysteries, it looked like they were doing some type of a beacon or a, a come here kind of a motion. Like uh, you would see like um, lights pointing to, Hey, come here. Like, like a runway, you know, you, yeah, you, you have the, outer mark outer markers you know and you got the lights leading you to the threshold of a runway right you know it yeah. seemed like it was something like that yeah. expanding and contracting well i i believe me i've i've uh everything i've watched or or what everything i've seen and watched on the radar and played the tape over and over again and other things that i you know have watched on documentaries and stuff like that um, you know, I, I wondered, you know, and I tell you, when I think about this, I get a headache. I really, I think about it so hard. Like, what could this possibly be? I get a headache, you know, and, um, does this, I get asked, I mean, like my yeah. case was different, but you know, it's really haunted me and I've had some trouble with it just emotionally. I mean, it really, yeah. it destroyed my, my case was really bizarre. It kind of destroyed my worldview. I mean. I mean, how did it affect, did it have any kind of emotional effect on you or? Yeah. Oh yeah, it did. But probably not as 
like it would a um, like a citizen that was seeing it from ground view because um, yeah. uh, they they're seeing it and they're getting emotional. For one thing, you're worried about safety, you know, and you don't know, so you're you're scared, you know, or worried. Um, and uh, then, um, uh, you know, and then uh, you know you weren't working at the time, so so but but you were you know, you would have been, um, you know, it would have been very personal and almost like a violation because it just came up on you like, you know, like something, you know, just crazy, like this monster jumping out at you. And that's like a violation, whether he touches you or not. So that's going to be traumatic. Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to remember everything about it. Now, in my case, um, I went in there pretty calm and cool, watched it, and what really jumped out at me and when I got emotional was when I saw the, uh, the objects, objects uh, lined up along with the radar, which didn't make sense to me. And they weren't vertical formation, but they were pointed like straight down the radar beam from the radar. It was almost like they knew I was looking at it. That's what I, I loved. When you said that, I mean... That- you're not a foo-foo kind of guy, but the funny thing is I don't think I am really naturally either, but I loved it when you said that because I think these craft have, I mean, it's a different form of, I, this is something that's going to be way out for you, but my suspicion is it's, they, manip, they manipulate consciousness. And part of the reason I say that is the morning that I saw this craft, I was driving across an overpass. Uh, near Flint's Bishop Airport. I was crossing Bristol Road, 5 o'clock in the morning. I saw these brilliant white headlights off in the distance, really low on the horizon. The morning rush had kind of started. It was 5 a.m., so it was thin, but but there were cars, right? And when I finally got out about three miles south, made a curve, and here's this huge thing, and it was kind of a straightaway leading up to it. Nobody, this thing is 125 foot in the air. It's probably, I'm thinking it was probably, I looked at that grove of trees recently. It was probably 300 foot. I mean, it looked like something out of the next Star Wars movie. It was right. It was like, you know, you couldn't miss it, right? These lights on the corners were like blinding. And nobody's even hitting their brakes. And so I think they can do things. And I know this is kind of out of your wheelhouse. They weren't, you don't think. uh, I think they can do things with consciousness. They can, I think they have stealth at the level of consciousness, which sounds way out. I, I've never even seen an episode of Star Trek, all right? But I lived this, you know. Um, well, there's, uh, you know, yeah, I've, I've, se- I've uh, seen the shows, the documentaries where people lose time. They don't remember. That uh, happened to my coworkers. Happened to two ladies seven hours before going to another factory. Right, you know? right. Yeah. It's crazy, but. but yep. Hey, uh, Jack, just so you know, um after uh, speaking with you and interviewing you, uh, we had a MUFON investigator get a hold of Michelle and I, and we had these things that we had to do of jotting down notes and make a drawing and things like this, and then talk to them over the phone and give us give them the information. So what I'm going to show you right now is when you talk about when you talk about how these things are traumatic and you remember everything about them. Wait, 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 wait. they contacted you about your sighting, Wayne? Yes. Yeah. Finally? 
Finally. Finally. Well, that's huge news. That's wow, huge. yeah, man. I can't believe you haven't mentioned that. Well, it's because uh we were in we just finished our interview with Bill, Bill, Bill. Kokleski yeah. from the same episode of Unsolved Mysteries that Jack was in. But if you see my notes, I mean I am I, I had so much going on, and just like Michelle did, mm-hmm. here's her drawing. I uh, wondered where my drawing went. Yeah. <laughs> That's this know. is Michelle's drawing. Now mine was more of a perspective. I've seen that exact same craft on a documentary last night. Yeah. Yeah. And and Jack, you, you said um you just mentioned you said the air traffic controller didn't see it on radar but saw it with his own eyes through a binocular? Yes. Yeah. He saw Oh my it. god. He thought it was three aircraft in uh, formation. Now you got to remember he was a good, good long away, you know, long, long distance away. Uh, Muskegon was 82 kilometers, whatever comes to miles, probably 50 miles from South Haven. That's where I picked it up. Now, a lot of people are kind of confused. And I got, I got to let you know is that when Holly Graves first saw it and had police come out, it was at treetop level. The radar would not have been able to pick up anything. that Okay. You know, when it was at yeah. treetop level, what, what did, and I think she talked about it, but was it a cylinder or a, or a saucer or a triangle? Or She what? said it was like a, um, kind of a cylinder, but kind of ball too. Uh, yeah, I, I think I remember her saying I'd that. I'd like to get Holly back on here again. But, uh, but she's the one that said it glowed quite a bit, but underneath mm. all that glow, there was a solid craft you know and that's what i wanted to know and make sure that it wasn't some kind of meteorological rare condition where you got some ball of plasma that's you know going around this is actually a nuts and bolts you know craft so um, i've got i've got to ask you this i mean just for the record let's i want to clarify one thing and i think i think you'll probably know what my feelings are when i ask you this but I mean, do you think there's any chance whatsoever that these solid objects that you saw flying around were the product of the U.S. government's uh, advanced military stuff? Um, I'm putting you on the hot seat here, I know. But. I, I think it's possible, except that, you know, um, I kind of was looking when I, um, I did a, a little – uh, training over at the FAA Air Traffic Control Center in Atlanta, and um, and so you know they're very um, they're very strict on airspace, you know U.S. airspace. Right. So for anything to be going doing crazy maneuvers like I saw right. it do, yeah. um, would be would would make the FAA absolutely PO'd, you know, and right. and especially since it's overpopulated areas. And then you're getting into Chicago O'Hare airspace, which that would just absolutely tick them off. You know, you would hear screaming matches, you know, about it. Now, I'm not I'm not supposed to give any. Inf- they told me I was only there a, a short time, but they actually say when the boss before he opened the door said anything you see or hear in here you can't come outside and I'm like okay but i you know so that's that um, hey, i, I, I want to add oh, i'm sorry go ahead yeah um here's what i'll add to that um yeah, yeah. 1994 I, we were pretty much getting stealth technology going 
But I will say this. Jack says that he thinks it might be possible. I will say it might be possible, but highly improbable. You know, it just the probability of those things and what happened that night. And for 300 people to make a report and not any of them come up with, I mean, most of them said they're not airplanes. These things are not airplanes. We didn't have the drones at the time, you know, uh, and in your I, case, and in your case, and mine, you've got you've got to be willing to accept the idea that we've got this extraordinarily high tech stuff that's just beyond. That's number one, and then number two, that when we want to fly this stuff around, right, we fly it really low over like congested urban areas and freeways. I mean. And of course, you know all the stuff that happened in mine was wacky, doodle, dandy. But so you know, if you if you only have, if you don't have any BFR aircraft out there, general aviation, uh, yeah, yeah, I can. I mean, still, yeah. I mean, I I would like to think that the U.S. government has really high technology. And back in 1994, I was hoping that if we did, we would have seen it come out by now, or at least bits and pieces of it. I would have liked to see, you know. You know, if you remember in Back to the Future, we were supposed to get a little hoverboard by now. I like that movie. <laughs> Love that movie. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, it would have been nice to have that by now. And I, I you know, and, and another way of, uh, it, you know, some more advancement in our technology. Like I said, I struggle particularly with the idea that we have it and this is where we fly it around. I'm like, yeah, I don't, you know, I'm like, man, this is one it's just—it's yeah. crazy. I, don't know. I mean, I mean, also we we have, you know, I I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was a bit less probably in 1994, but uh, I, I remember during the interview, it, you said within the next year they rolled out the Doppler radar, That's and right. and if, even more to what you said on the on the inter, on, on on the podcast. Um, uh, the Doppler, you wouldn't have been able to manually control the Doppler Doppler radar. Like you, you compared it to analog to digital. Right. Um, and, and I thought that was a, that, I, that immediately clicked in my head. I was like, Oh, okay. All right. I had no idea about that, but now it's like, if the United States government were testing top, high above top secret military aircraft all the time, you would think more, you'd get more meteorologists seeing this stuff on a radar from time to time over the course of the last 25 years or whatever. Right. Right. So I would think so. I don't, um, the, when I was training, um, you know, the radar manual said, these are the type and it would be birds and insects and planes. And I thought, Oh, planes. I'm a big plane buff. Let me go see if I can find one. And sure enough, it took me a few minutes, but I did, you know, and I, I love planes. So I was able to see it and track it. Okay, well, go on to the next step. Now I know I can find planes. Mm-hmm. And that's why when the, uh, when Ottawa County Dispatch called me and said, can you look at some flying things out there? I knew, yeah, that I could, I already knew that uh, I could see aircraft and I already knew what they looked like. So and what these things looked like was just like what I saw earlier, only stronger. They looked bigger or stronger. I mean, they had higher. Okay. 
meaning that they're either bigger or they were flying in tight formation. Um, okay. Or aircraft was smaller and didn't take up as much as the radar beam, you know, reflection of that. So, wow. But, uh, yeah, so it was, it was definitely a bigger, uh, aircraft and, um, and you could see as they went further and further south, you know, sure enough, just like aircraft would, uh, the, the radar returns were getting less and less. Like, so I knew it was an object and I, it wouldn't show up like that if it wasn't that right. it was the physical sense of that as you get further away. Yeah, it's retreating. Coming yeah. back would decrease along with it, like any other aircraft. It just, it was, I had all the signatures of aircraft, airplane, jet plane, but it uh, moved at crazy speeds. Nothing oh we God. know of can hover at 60,000 feet either, you know, no. and there, there's not enough air density. Right, a helicopter can't wow. do that. It's not no air. I mean, right. not to hold a helicopter. Yep. So, um, so I looked into that. I mean, I looked into all sorts of things over the years. Could it be this? Could it be that? I looked into you know what, you know, you know, Google images of radar returns of certain things of how the military can jam radar and it didn't look like anything like that. You know, so. Um, so no, it, it, everything I saw on the radar matched up with what the people saw. And, um, and so all I can say Amazing. is that ground, uh, you know, that was my, uh, that, that was ground truth verified by radar, you know, and that's what the, uh, um, these Naval folks are saying is that you got the radar people out on their ships and then they got your aircraft and jets flying after them. And so what the jet aircraft pilots are seeing is matching up with what the radar is seeing. So. Although Neil deGrasse Tyson on the Joe Rogan show said that perhaps the eyewitnesses on board the ship, plus the radar on the planes, plus the radar on the ships all went bad at the same time. Oh yeah. He, and he's our, so did their eyeballs. <laughs> he's Mr. Science. I mean, I'm like, what is going on here? He, he, you know, he had a, a, I, I, he's, he's really good for like current. He's not really good for, for that kind of stuff. That's for sure. Yeah, he's good um, for like but, uh, baking soda and, you know, I wanted to mention, I saw a couple of comments on the bottom from Barry. Um, yes. He, he mentioned two things. One of them about what Columbus saw. And I think there was like something about Columbus seeing something like yeah. a reverse waterfall. It's in his logs. Yeah. In his logs, yes, that was something I was trying to remember earlier. Yeah, and then also the um, also the uh, um, uh, oh, man, what was the other thing that he just said? It was oh 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 O'Hara O'Hara recordings from air uh, air traffic control. Yeah, if you guys have never heard those recordings, you should definitely listen to those because those are I, I have heard some. I haven't heard anything but the air traffic controller uh, kind of discounting what the United airline. Uh, mm, okay. Now they, they said that the, with the, the way the air traffic control tower was situated, you wouldn't be able to see straight up where this object was, whereas other people in, in the terminal uh, or in offices. Um, and I remember being a unaccompanied minor uh, in, in, in an airline office. They're actually on the ground floor with the same on the floor with the tarmac with the airplane so people can actually walk out on the tarmac 
Well, they said it. There was a disc and it punched a hole in the cloud. And I've oh. seen the picture of that cloud, and it's just looks like a big donut. You know, I mean, it's sure. a very big report. Yeah, something happened. I guess I think. Man, I, well, yeah. to punch a big hole in the cloud. Um, you know, I had I was thinking about that, and uh, it would have to be a drastically different temperature. Now, if it was the same temperature as the ambient temperature you would have seen swirl of clouds and it would have filled in pretty quickly. But with punch hole, um, it either it heated up the, uh, that the clouds and, or, or the atmosphere where the clouds were so much that it evaporated that, that uh, condensation, those water drops, um, or it froze that area and turned it into ice crystals. Ice right crystals up. dropped or- so either way, you would get a punch hole cloud, basically. Which that's what we call a punch hole cloud, and that's uh, uh, not caused by flying saucers. In this other case, it's a meteorological condition, but uh, that happens. We call it a punch hole. But you saw a punch hole cloud that actually happened because of an aircraft, and because of the, the vastly different temperature, either warm or cold, um, which would do that in, in it's great to have a meteorologist on board because i mean there's i'm seriously there's a great right there there's a great that was a great sighting and there's right there is something that none of us would have been able to clarify you know what i'm saying oh, okay mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. well it's like uh lenticular clouds right yep i mean those things you see them from a distance and man, you think a gigantic flying saucer for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. They're amazing looking. Yeah. I, I, uh, it's, it's all due to the mountain, you know, and the way. All right. Well, Jack, I'll tell you what, you've been on here an hour. We've been going two hours and five minutes and I think we should probably start wrapping this up. So I do know you've got something special going on tomorrow that you may want to let people know about. And we've also put it up on our Facebook group, but I believe it's with uh, Michigan MUFON tomorrow. That's right. Yeah. That's cool. Do you want to uh, let people know what that is? Oh, the Mutual UFO Network? Um, yeah, I'll be talking uh, with them, and uh, thanks to Wayne, I'll be, uh, you know, contacting with them. I'd like to speak with them. Yeah, so uh, they're going to do, like, an interview style with you, I believe, for, yeah. like, an hour or so, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I believe yeah. So. Awesome. Great. Okay, uh, well, Jack, you know, before we start heading out here, is there anything else you want to uh, – you know, let us know, let our audience know and people in the future here that will come along this episode. Any, yeah, anything yeah. you want to share? Uh, I'm uh, answering questions that anybody wants to ask me something. I go ahead. I do answer back. Might take me a little while, but I get to you and I, I do pay attention to everything you say. So it won't be just like, Hey, thanks. That's interesting. No, I, I actually, you know, try to <laughs> talk about it. So You've um, got to be just deluged with I said I know because I I saw that I and I went on Facebook and sent you a thing and I'm thinking yeah. I'm probably one of eight million people that sent him a thing. Yeah. I'm getting to you. <laughs> no, don't worry, you can skip me. I you know I'm a uh, no. I'm a crank. I made it all up. I, I talked to this lady all day today, chatted back and forth. So I I do pay attention and and I'm taking my time with them. So yeah, take your time. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm so happy. nice of you to come on. Thanks so much. 
Thank you. Coming on here and let us ask you some questions. And sure, sure. Yeah, Jack, uh, you know, awesome. And, you know, it was really thanks to Burton up there in the corner that contacted me as soon as he watched that episode because oh, really? I, I, I'm not a I'm not a big TV watcher. So, you know, when my phone starts going off and I see it's from Burton and he's like, you've got to watch this. And, and he said to me, you got to watch this. Yeah. And then I watch it and I'm sending it to Guy. And uh, and I think it, I think as soon as I finished that episode, I contacted Burton and was like, oh, my God, I need to try to get a hold of Jack. Yep. And it was like immediately there when i got a hold of you and was able to get you to to spare some time with us and uh you know four hours later we had a almost a three hour long interview right yeah it's interesting stuff man very good i mean what other cases are out there that have radar yeah with somebody willing to come forward 300 witnesses First responders yeah. chasing these things yeah. down, exactly. and two pilots that yep. came forward. Right? How much? How much more information do people need to understand that? And I'm not saying aliens. I'm not saying you know these these guys right here. Well, it's somebody. It's somebody. It's somebody or something. Yeah. Incredible technology, and I'd love to see it. And play with it. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. I, I would recommend that you don't be driving to work at five o'clock and have one almost parked on the freeway as right. much as you think you'd like to see it. Yeah. Uh, that can be a little bit. Let's put it this way. I never thought of smoking a cigarette in my life uh-huh. when I was 41. I, I would look at people who smoked and, and, and I would think, who would light that and do that? <laughs> it, it, I'm dead. I'm serious as a heart attack. And, uh, it's like it really, really jangled my nerves. I mean, it just some That's people handled it a lot better. Yeah. I was too close to this thing. So many odd things happened. And that means it was so important to me. It was eight days after, pardon me, 10 days after your your deal. And it was great to be able to have that event documented by you primarily so well so that, I mean, I still feel kind of like the Lone Ranger because my experience was really odd. But, but it helps. It helps a lot. And I thank you again for You're welcome. having the courage to talk about it. I kind of wonder if if it was one of the older guys who I worked with a lot of Vietnam veterans. And, um, you know, if I had if it was one of them that got the call, I'm wondering if they would have just kind of blew it up and said, uh, our radar, you know, yeah. I don't I, I don't think they would really dig into it and do the grid work, but I was one of the young guys and, you know, real whippers. Yeah. You know, Thank God you did because you know. I'll tell you what, man, I mean it very sincerely. I'm not patronizing you for any reason, but, you know, thank God that's there for me because I've struggled with this crazy experience and it was like 10 days later. And at least, at least I've got, you know, those, I went down to the Flint journal and, I went down to the a library 23 years after the fact, and this lady helped me with the microfilm, and I, I found the transcript of your radar thing. And, it, in fact, the headline on March 18th, I, I'd never seen the paper, was, oh, my God, what is this? Right, yeah. And, and it, in the Flint Journal, and it, 
it, it, and that, that was 23 years later. My wife and I drove into Flint and I said, I need you to care what we stop at the library and I, I want to look at the microfilm. And I never, I thought I'll start with the 18th. And even though it did not, re- obviously did not refer specifically to my experience. I mean, that was like a big deal, you know, and the fact that you took the time, you were honest, man, take some courage to just say, Hey, this is what the hell I saw when everybody's going to think that's wacky. Cause it, it helped me. So I appreciate it. Again. Well, yeah, I'm in the same boat there. You know, uh, um, I, I'm sure uh, my coworkers thought I was wacky, you know, and, yeah. and they didn't, they, even though I talked to some or tried to, I don't know if they were even listening because that, you know, some still went off with the idea that, um, that I had actually called them, you know, because I saw something on the, on the, on the radar that I saw a UFO on the radar. I was, I was like, no, that, no, no, no. I didn't see anything on the radar. I was to look at on the radar that day. Now the police officers asked me to look at the radar. I went and looked at it. Right. Them while I was being recorded, and I didn't know I was being recorded. Right, man. I, I all that stuff really got me. I, I've said to people that somebody was criticizing you to me, and I said, "Listen, all this guy did was have the police call him and answer their questions." Yeah, you know? that's, that's all I did. <laughs> I did. I answered. I answered their questions. I told them exactly what I saw, and uh, and then at first I kept putting it off, saying, "Well, it could be a plane." You know, at first I said, well, okay, you know, I don't see anything down there. Then I said, okay, I see something right there. And then and I said, okay, it could be a plane. I see it moving. I can see it moving. I remember, you know, I remember this tape word for word. And uh, so, uh, you know, I, I don't know how to, uh, you know, I didn't know it was being recorded. You know, I wasn't acting or anything like that, you know, for something. Um, I mean, were you, were you seeking attention and wanted to get rich and famous? That's those, <laughs> those are the, I, I, I've joked with, uh, with, uh, our host there. I, I made some, I made some YouTube videos and did a bunch of podcasts. And I said, so far I've spent $27 on a t-shirt from your merchandise store. And, and, and so I'm $27 in the hole and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Solve mysteries as in hasn't given me a dime. I had to pay. <laughs> and, uh, so much for so much for those theories, huh? Right. And so, uh, no, I mean, uh, I after this thing, I thought honestly, I thought, oh my god, I'm going to lose my job living with my mother. I'm in Fort Lauderdale, so <laughs> and that's what I thought. And so it was the last thing I wanted to get into. And uh, so early, you know. Uh, you know, especially when I still had to figure out what office I was going to go to after modernization. I wanted to stay in Michigan, but I didn't think after this, I didn't think that was going to be possible. But I thought they might put me in like South Dakota or something like that. You know, not no offense to South Dakota, but <laughs> far away. And so yeah. you, know. you made the right choice. I played music for two weeks in Yankton, South Dakota once years ago. And- <laughs> <laughs> not a place you want to spend, uh, you know, a lot of time. Two weeks was plenty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Michael well, Walsh, Jack, he's uh, uh, 
before we let you go, uh, Burton, was there any last minute things you wanted to say to Jack or ask him before we cut him loose? Honestly, just thank you so much for, for letting us, giving us some of your time tonight. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, this, the story is amazing. And honestly, you've any, any question I had, you guys kind of like any, anyone that I was writing down while everybody was talking, you've kind of already answered. So, um, I, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's an incredible story. It's an incredible experience. And uh, I, I just thank you so much for, for giving us, giving us all your time between Netflix, uh, the Michigan UFO episode. And, and now this one, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it, it really means a lot. And it, it was just an honor to get to talk to you tonight. Thank you so much. Uh, you're welcome. And, and yeah, I wanted to reiterate it's free time. You know, I, I was not being paid for this at all. This was unsolved mysteries. Cool. Uh, they, I, they said they would, we, we drove up and uh, they said they would reimburse my gas, but I never even put, wow. put my, uh, you know, repeat. And, and what a racket. Are you serious? Yeah. I, I figured, no, I, I'd heard one time, I was, I think it was Stanton Friedman. Somebody was accusing him of making money. And he said, well, I went and got a Screen Actors Guild card and they give me scale. So I figured you got something for this. No. They didn't even pay your gas. No. Wow. Wow. That to me lends, I mean, I mean that, and for any in that right there for anybody then in the future going forward or has already been on unsolved mysteries, that's, that's credibility. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And that's what I wanted to, you know, I mean, but, but so far I've lost money on this deal. (laughs) I I made uh, that once he's in Germany. I just paid a $120 uh, charge. <laughs> found out today. I was talked to her for maybe twenty minutes, uh, maybe thirty minutes. But uh, uh, but yeah, I, uh, T-Mobile came back and said that'll be one hundred and twenty-one dollars. <laughs> so you know, I'm losing money on this deal. I'm just really interested in what I saw, is all, and I'm glad to be able to speak about. It. I had I had to bring that up because you these are some of the tropes that you hear. Oh, yeah. About when people stand up and are honest about these things, it's they're seeking attention. They want to make money. They want their fifteen minutes of fame. Like, like this is a great thing to be famous for, especially like my case, which is really Not bizarre. Either no, and I, you know, I, I don't know if I have the respect of my uh, weather service employees, coworkers, you know, friends. So yeah. I really, you have the respect of a lot of people. Trust me. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Michelle, did you want to jump in? No, just want to wish, you know, Jack a good night and go spend some time with your wife. It's after yeah. 10. <laughs> yeah. okay. I got to do the same thing. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So, Peace. all right, Jack, we're going to say goodbye to you and we'll talk soon. Sure will. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Take care, everyone. All right, Burton. Hey. <laughs> There's Guy. <laughs> Thought the wrong button. I'm technologically <laughs> challenged. Well, our surprise guest was definitely a surprise, eh? <laughs> well, but I had my fingers crossed because one nice guy, and and I really yes. do appreciate so much that he takes the time to talk to people, and you know, it meant a lot to me because my sighting was right in there, mm-hmm. and so kooky, and it shook me up so bad, and yeah, it was different than what he saw. I think, but well, and here's the thing, March of 94, from your experience to the experience that hit the West coast. And every time that I hear Muskegon, 
you know, I now remember back to a story, and I don't know how much Wayne paid attention to it. Um, I was talking to my sister-in-law at dinner one evening, and it would have been in the early 60s in Muskegon that she was probably around 13, 14 years old at the time. And she, it was like a, a girl's, you know, slumber party or whatever. And they had went outside and even she had said, she goes, we saw something in the sky and it was in Muskegon. So that. Yeah. Yep. yep. That West side of the state. All right. Well, it's great. Every- that way. It is. It's yeah. a, a hot spot, you know? All right. Well, my wife just said water. Yeah. Well, and that's why I, you know, I would like to hear more stories from the folks on this side of the state, you know, any with Lake Huron, um, Lake Erie, because of Fermi being right, you know, right on the other side of the water and, you know, in Ohio, um, that I'm surprised that we don't hear more stories from down here or, I mean, just people aren't talking, I guess. That's yeah, a lot of, that's a lot of it. Um, one thing I'm going to do real quick here is uh, for people that are watching now or may watch this tomorrow, I'm going to go ahead and just put this up on screen here. This is, let me find it. You know, Michelle, we should maybe like, like, because I think, like you think about think about Michigan, right? When we got the thumb over here. And then, like, obviously all Detroit down here. And then up here, though, like, this is this is more along where, like, Muskegon and Grand Haven and all that stuff would be. There's not, I mean, there's, like, Taos. But besides that, I don't know if it's as populated. Um. Oh, Taos is heavily populated oh, now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, really? so, I haven't been up there in a few years. So. Yeah, Taos, well, and I grew up going up to Taos and East Taos and Oscoda and Alpena. Oh, my God, um, so did I, yeah. So that whole area there, because of uh, tourism, yeah, tourism well, I, has, <laughs> I mean, just caused like the overabundance of a lot of, you know, condos on the beach area yes. overlooking Lake Huron. But it, so, but is it Sandusky Bay? Is that the name of the bay right there? I think well, it's San- Saginaw Bay. Bay. Saginaw Bay. Oh, okay. Oh, um, oh yeah. Saginaw. Yeah, yeah. So Saginaw Bay leading up into, you know, Lake Huron, um, it would be interesting to hear how many stories are up in that region as well. Yeah. That's why I mentioned Caseville and Port Austin. Okay. So because I knew back in 94 that there were some stories that came out of that area and that was at the thumb. Oh, okay. That was one of the counties. Well, that was part of one of the counties. Here, Here's something for you guys to chew on a little bit. Um, everybody knows I'm a, a fan of the um, Younger Dryas impact theory that wiped out and ended the last ice age. Me too. Well, guess what they think happened right in that bay area in the, to create in the, the bay? In the crease part of the thumb? <laughs> yeah. In, 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 you know, right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, meteorite impact. Ooh. There's evidence that that is actually a crater and they're, they're digging into that. And that's what causes that, that thumb peninsula. Um, They're still looking into that, but I mean, if you think about it, um, 
you know, these things are showing up and, and look at what some of the revelations about Skinwalker Ranch was skin. You know, the revelations of Skinwalker Ranch was that that whole Uinton basin there is a crater. Now, an impact crater with the imp let let let's just hypothetically uh, hi, uh, hypothesis say for a minute that there is a impact crater right right there in 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 that part of Michigan would that have been before or after the glaciers moved in to make the lakes that's a good question i don't know i don't know the timeline yeah i'm oh, not man. exactly sure but randall carlson seems to think that and some of the other people that he works with that that area of the thumb is actually an impact crater. Randall so, Carlson. Oh, wow. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's an interesting guy, man. Really yeah, absolutely. But for people watching just really quick, here is a uh, screenshot of the MUFON, Michigan MUFON page. And you can see that tomorrow, November 6th at 7 PM via zoom, they're going to have Jack Bouchong on as their special guest. Um, so all the details about being able to attend, it's free. Um, 7 p.m. announcements will be made by Director Bill Konkoleski and field investigator message from Chief Investigator Daniel Snow. Now, Daniel Snow is the one that talked to us um, and took our report the other day. Oh, cool. And then, yep, and then we had Bill on as a guest, which we'll be releasing next weekend so, and then the following weekend after that, we're going to do our next, uh, after the cast live. And, uh, we're going to take a deep dive into what he has to say, because when you guys hear his stories, yeah. it's going to blow I, I knew mind. I knew when you heard Bill's stories, your, your socks were going to be blown <laughs> off, man. Absolutely. He may, he makes my stories look like, you know, a walk in the park, man. Yep. So, okay. So last minute thoughts guys, before we, I know I keep saying that, but uh, <laughs> it's such a good conversation to have. And really uh, I enjoyed these types of round tables and, you know, being able to sneak on a, a guest like Jack and, and be able yeah. to talk to him for like an hour, you know, um, cool, just, just really cool. And something I never thought in my wildest dreams we would be able to do. And, uh, you know, and have fun with this and learn from, you know, kind of a traumatic experience that happened to us as well. And, uh, it's weird. It's weird. It, it, it well, really your, is your weird. World, your worldview goes right out the window. For yeah, me, you it, can't help it. I mean, for me, it absolutely did. When Mufon tells me about two ladies that are missing for an hour and then Carol and Felicia, Carolyn and Felicia tell me the same thing. It doesn't leave too much. I'm like, you know, whoa, things are a lot different on this in this place than I thought they were. Absolutely, man. It's know, just, rocking, man. It, it's it's a it's a crazy world, and it it just keeps getting crazier. Yeah. And uh, Barry, I agree with you. Randall Carlson's my hero too because yes. of the earth science background. Absolutely love his stuff and. Uh, you know, thanks to Joe Rogan, you know, that's when I first heard about him and me too. And started just, digging I into this stuff. About him on, he did a podcast. There's a podcast called Concrete. And, yes. And yep. I, I watched it, man. I was fascinated, man. Was yeah. Like, Concrete's a good one, man. Concrete's a good one. And, uh, 
Yeah, it's just, you know, I would love to get him on here. I, I think he shies away because I've been in contact with him and I've kept on hitting him up, wanting to ask him about UFOs, what his thoughts are on UFOs. And maybe he'll see this. And Randall, if you are watching this, I promise we'll stay away from the UFO topic because I know he's he's trickling out what he thinks and his hypothesis on the UFO thing. I could talk for you still and Michelle as well. We could talk about, uh, uh, you know, Atlantis and, uh, you know, pole reversals and all that stuff. I mean, there's so much stuff that we can get into and stay away from the UFOs. Absolutely. So, you know, you have my email, Mr. Mr. Carlson, you know, email me and, uh, because two of the guys that, that he is basically partnered with online, Russ and Kyle, are from the Brothers of the Serpent podcast. And they have come on here. Yeah. And they have specifically told me that he wants to come on the podcast. But every time I try to contact him, I think it's it's the UFO thing. So I promise I on my on my mother's grave that I will not talk UFOs with Randall Carlson unless he wants to. <laughs> I was going to say Barry mentioned um, the Brothers of the Serpent hey. interview of Antonio. Hey, Richie's here. Oh, goosh. <laughs> it's Richie from Goofon. Hey, man. I saw that guy. I heard that guy. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a good guy. Uh, I still should have you on my channel because for reasons I will never understand, I've gained like something like 11 or 12 subscribers in like five days or some crazy thing i've got like and and i think i mean my channel is just not that interesting i don't understand it at all well uh i think i, I was will. one of them honestly <laughs> seriously i think so <laughs> well, right. I will. Now, now, now i'm finding it's like my family and you know basically you know my yeah, family and my friends that are like, poor guy, we put a sign up. No, I'll tell you, guy, one of our um, most downloaded episodes, I want to say you're in like uh, episode four, believe it or not, is probably our third or fourth ranked downloaded episode. I mean, our episode zero is like close to number one at this point. Right. We have Jahan Johanna James talking about Egypt's, you know, Egypt and pyramids and all that. And then we had um, Ben um, Van Kirkwick from Uncharted X, who's been on Concrete and all those shows as well. He was a guest of ours. And those are our highest downloaded episodes for now. Now on YouTube, but our I'm audio. Place, so I, I feel yeah, good. On YouTube, our most watched uh, interview is almost at 1300 and that's the chris lato interview from the wow. uap society the former f-16 pilot so uh but richie great great seeing you here man we just had jack on and uh so yeah cosmographia yep yep that's uh that's randall carlson's podcast yep cosmographia great great guy and, and i hope to talk to him and man, I wish he had a book. I, I swear I would buy a couple copies just to to go through it. Fascinating. Yeah, fascinating guest, man. Absolutely. I'm trying, man. You know, I the people that we have on this podcast show up and and 
come to our podcast exactly when they're supposed to. So when the time is right, we'll get, we'll get Randall on here and we'll have that conversation. Cause you know, it was bad enough with Jack and I talking for an hour before we even started the interview with everything we had in common, but as an earth science guy and, and somebody who's into the different uh, ice ages and extinction level events and things like that, that I am, you know, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Barry brings up something too, just really quick. Uh, Barry says brothers of the serpent is doing a verbal reading of the path to to the pole right now. Yeah, exactly. What they do is a, uh, like a book report over like many episodes, which is really cool. They did one about, uh, um, I want to say the Egyptian power plant hypothesis by Chris Dunn. Yeah. Like um, books or something. Right? Yeah. They, so they, what they do is, uh, are forbidden, uh, forbidden archeology span is another one, which is fascinating. That's Grant Hancock, right? No, the, uh, oh. forbidden ec- Archaeology is Michael Creighton. Oh, oh, okay. Something like that. It's a huge book. And what they did is they went through the, uh, they went through the, um, like the, the smaller version, the book itself is like almost a thousand pages and the the condensed versions like 300. So that's the one that they went through. It's just, Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they are great. Uh, Kyle and Russ are amazingly talented. They're farmers. They make their own wines. Um, they're down in Texas and what a great, great bunch of guys. Um, Gufan says technology of the gods. I was listening at the gym. I just got done and was able to say hello. Great show. Thanks, Richie. We appreciate it, man. You're awesome. You are awesome. And then he went on to say technology of the gods is the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. There's chariot of the gods. That's what I was. Okay. Yeah. That's that's Von Donegan, I believe. See, when, when you, when you get forced into this stuff and you take all of this stuff in, you know, it all blurs together. It's like being oh, a teacher. Every day is is Monday, Tuesday. You know, you don't oh, know the days. You just I, know the stands and why. I I I specifically, I specifically held back on listening to the episode that we were gonna. I I I had no idea he was gonna be on the episode tonight. Going in, <laughs> good. But like up to today, for the la- I think I think I had to split it up between yesterday and today. But that your guys's was the only podcast. I, normally, I listen to two to three podcasts a day, but like that was the only ones I listened to because I wanted it all fresh in my head. Yeah, so so it didn't get all jumbled up with other stuff. Yeah. I yeah. listened a while ago, which was probably not smart. <laughs> yeah, say- guy, guy had a secret back backstage view. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent guy the the edited interview. As soon as I had it done, I sent yeah. it to oh, him. That's nice. cool, man. Nice. Yeah. I, I saved so, it. I've got it on a hard drive and it says pre I renamed it pre-release. There you yeah. go. I've, yeah. got, I've never felt real special, but now I do. <laughs> <That's metal. laughs> so Burton, you're next on the list, man, with the with the next one. I'll I'll give you that uh the edited interview with nothing else attached to it. That was so. funny. Hey, you can send those to me too. I, I love yeah. it. I'm real interested to hear Bill Kankaleski because I know I know he blew your socks off and man, Bill's 
he's a straight shooter, man. His stuff is real. And, you know, being around him, you know, like I said, makes me feel like nothing happened to me, you know, and it's, yeah, but he's good. That should be very, man. If your listeners, if you enjoy this show, you want to listen to that show, man. Yeah. I'm That'll be coming out show, next but, weekend. So, yeah. yep. We got to finish that one up and get it ready for release. But yeah, man, just, just a great interview. You know, I figured I would maybe have him on for about an hour, you know, figuring he's busy and stuff. And you I said, always do that. You I know. Well, and I asked him, I said, how, how long do you have? And Bill says, um, well, you know, what do you think? And I said, well, about an hour, maybe an hour and a half is generally on average what we do. He goes, oh, yeah, that'll be fine. But 10 o'clock has to be my main cutoff, my hard cutoff. It was 7 o'clock <laughs> when we started. I was like, oh, my God, three hours again? Oh, man. No, <laughs> but, I, no, I, we, did, we didn't go that long. So I've, I've done a ton of interviews where it was like, okay, I, 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 you know, do you guys have a hard cutoff? No? All right. Well, I'll just try to keep you for an hour. They're like, yeah, an hour, an hour is about all I got. And then we get to an hour and I'm like, I start kind of wrapping it up, wrapping up. And they're like, nope, never mind. Let's keep going. <laughs> it's yeah. great. Sometimes it's the art of the podcast. That's what I call it. That's the art of the podcast. And that's it's, what the yeah. beauty of a podcast going with the though, flow. because it's not like you don't have the constraints of, you know, media that we've in days gone by, you know, where the, there's yeah. so many commercials and it's, it's got to fit into this thing and it's got a, a certain intro and an outro and a, this thing is is more it's organic, yep. and that's what I like about podcasts. That's is people, because yeah. maybe it'll go, it might go an hour, and you might have covered everything you feel you need to. But if you want to go three hours, you can do it. Yep. And I've listened to a lot of three hour podcasts, man. Yep. So you know, it's good yeah. And, and you know, when we first got Jack on here, you know, that was one of the questions that we were talking on the phone about. He's like, do do people like podcasts? I was like absolutely they do and they love the long form conversations of you know just people talking i mean joe rogan has has proved it millions and millions of dollars over exactly you know so it's like uh and thousands and thousands of episodes over oh my god yeah yeah Yeah. he he is he's amazing i don't know how he does it um but i guess when that's all you do you can really you know set your mind to it and stuff but all right. Oh, and Richie says, sweet. Can't wait. All right, man. Well, Richie, maybe uh, we'll get you on here for one of the round tables doing a deep dive and get you to come on and, and talk with uh, with us and, you know, critique the episode and maybe grab some uh, secret guest and have them come on. Yeah. Now, one person who I know is is watching this and not saying much. Well, at least I believe she is is Cindy Pravda from the episode as well. I've been talking to her and, and uh, invited her to come and watch and, and uh, I haven't heard anything else from her, but if you could add her almost instead of me or something, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I will, I will tell you, you know, guy with your experience in 94, the same month and stuff, it, it was a no-brainer for me to get yeah. you on here to I talk. It. I yeah. It. yeah. And, you know, you helped, you helped us. You know, you say a lot of good things about Michelle and I doing this. And, True. you know, honestly, you uh, 
you help us kick off our interviews and where we were going to go with the podcast and stuff. So, um, and helping some people too. I mean, let's, Mm -hmm. let's not forget the, the underlying mission here is to have people come on and be able to tell their stories and look for people that have the same experiences. So they do not feel as you say many times guy, you know, that lonely feeling of, and it's horrible. Uh, I mean, being it's, out it's there. horrible. It still is bad. Yeah. I mean, I had to go to a therapist, man. I mean, I yeah. was one, one app for ostensibly. The reason I went, I had a heart attack and I was a little depressed. And Linda was a social worker and you need to talk to somebody. I'm like, okay, I'll go to a therapist. But yeah. what happened was third session in, I started talking this UFO start stuff. I start crying and I talked to the guy for five years because I just need somebody to listen to this at, that can confirm you know, I'm neurotic, but I'm not schizophrenic or, <laughs> you know, I needed to get it out, man. It was it yeah. kind of messed me up and I feel like a weak stick. I mean, I know like Bill Konkoleski has had, you, you know, what kind of experiences he's had. Yeah. And, and he deals with it really, really well. Of course, started when he was like two or three. So, yeah. Um, you know, but anyway, and people, but anyway, you're gonna you're gonna find out when we talk to him next week. So, well, we already did talk to him, but when we release the episode, where's my so, pre? I want my pre-release copy. <laughs> I gave you the Gmail access. I want, I want to find it in my little box. All right, fair enough, fair enough. All right, well, Burton guy, it's been great having you on. Thank you. I'm gonna move you guys backstage. Uh, Thank you for coming on for this, and I really appreciate it for our first official named live show, right, after the cast live, meaning after the podcast, and we're going to talk live about it. So, What is the name of Burton's podcast again? He's got two of them. It's Lost in the Dark and Follow the Reaper. Now, Follow the Reaper, Burton, I wanted you at the end here to let people know (laughs) what's going on. And Uh, Yeah, it's... I just started it uh, with heavy influence from Wayne, and uh, it, it was uh, it's it's called Follow the Reaper podcast, and it's where I would like people to send me. Uh, uh, you can you can do a voice memo on your phone, that simple, and just tell me your true first or second hand paranormal encounter of any kind, whether it be UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot, Dogman, everything. Um, and you can send that to me on uh, we're, we're very, I'm very active on uh, I'm, I'm the only one doing it. So if you send it to any of this, you're sending it right to me. Uh, it's uh, follow the Reaper podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or follow the Reaper podcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can reach me through any of those channels. Anytime. I also host lost in the dark podcast where we talk to heavy metal bands um, and it's mostly about music and stuff like that. But Father the Reaper is all paranormal. We've had some great submissions. Wayne's uh, Wayne submitted one fantastic ghost story that's already been aired. Um, I think I'm only on episode. I think episode like seven is coming out next week. So it's just starting. Uh, it's brand new. And uh, I could really, really use anyone's ghost stories or paranormal stories of any kind i'd love some cryptid stories or i've got, uh, I've got a second hand one for you man and and you'll love it you'll absolutely love it and i'll All right. it's a totally bizarre i just thought I, man i've got something you're gonna dig man i'm gonna I would, please yes that no, would, no no i'll 
what do you call in or something you said? Uh, if you want, just like you could either just like type it out to me and I'll narrate it, but I prefer it to be from the person's voice. So just take a voice memo on your phone and email it to me. Just a cool story. I think you'll, yep. I think you'll, I think you'll find it really. It's a buddy of mine. It's his brother who's an attorney. They're not crazy people at all. And man, it is wild. Well, that would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. Well, Thank all you. right. So there you go. So it's follow the Reaper podcast. At, podcast at it's, gmail.com. It's like dark pillow talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, because Wayne uh, sent a, me the do a little sent voice, me the yeah. episode and I was listening to it. And I'm like, this is like pillow talk, but dark <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right, gentlemen, thank you for joining us. And I will thank get, you. Yeah, You're absolutely. And Thanks I will so be in touch with you guys. Up. All right, you guys. See All you right. Bye bye. Take care. Right. Take right. care, guys. All right, Michelle. What do you think of our first live show? Almost three hours. Well, <laughs> I think that we need to consider going camping on the west side of the state. <laughs> yeah. Uh, March is coming. March is coming. And I'm going to be out there. I'm going to tell you, we got to get out there. All right. All right. Well, Michelle, I think it's time for us to get going. It's time to call the night, folks. All right, everybody. We're going to go ahead and end this live broadcast. I don't have any cool video or anything, an outro to play for you guys just yet, but uh, that'll be coming soon in the future. So for now, always remember, keep those eyes to the sky.